Yo, yo. Yo, what up, bro? It usually takes people a little bit of time to get started. So I usually give it like a, a few minutes. Yeah. Just to give no anybody problem. a chance to join. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Yeah, no doubt. Yo, yo, what's going on? What's going on? It's your boy, I-95B. The B is for bullying. As you can see, I'm here with my guy, Top Bunk Sports, a.k.a. the young bull, the young prodigy. That's my guy. That's my guy. Mets fan extraordinaire. Get in and out of his mixed bag with the drop of a dime. You want to talk effective field goal percentage or you want to talk OPS plus? He can do both. He can do both. And I see we got my guy Big Mo in here. Yo, you want to talk X's and O's, matchups, or you want to talk narratives, CAA, the roster construction? Mr. Versatile, Mr. Versatile Big Mo of the NickLounge.com. And my guy Slater, a.k.a. the Joker, a.k.a. I never seen his face, but I know he's a Denver Nuggets fan. What up? He's always up in here. Yo, what up, Jeremy? I see you, Mr. Rookie Max Extension. But yo, let's let's just jump right into it. And with today being, you know, it's Memorial Weekend. And for some of you that don't know, I, I spent seven years in the Air Force, uh, Special Forces, TACP. And if you don't know what that means, it's Tactical Air Patrol. And people don't know what that means. But if you ever played Call of Duty and you call in the airstrike on the battlefield, you know, that was my job. You know, I did three tours in Afghanistan. I did um, a couple in Iraq. Combat vet. Combat vet. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, happy Memorial Day. And be honest, it's, it's, it's not nothing to be happy about. These are people that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And then for myself, you know, I've killed people. And I've watched people be killed. You know, I joined the military, you know, when I was 18. And I was doing those things, the 18, 19, 20 years old. I wasn't a grown man. I wasn't a grown man. And for those that know, I have three kids. I missed the birth of my first son because I was in Afghanistan. I was in Bagram, Afghanistan. 
so people talk about you know the whole John Morant shit and stress and and him being young. You know, I always go back to what I was doing at that age. You know, at that age, I was a father, main, trying to maintain a household. So Memorial Day is, you know, you go out and you know, whenever you go somewhere, people can say, "Were you military? Were you probably military?" And I say, yeah. They say, well, how could you tell? And they would always say, well, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, you know, military military guys are different. And women, by the way. And um, I'm going to get to one of the co-hosts real quick. You know, Rick, man, what's going on, bro? Yeah, man, what's good, man? I'm in the same boat, man, as you know. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Navy veteran, man. I did a 14 years active duty, man, seven years uh, reserves. I got kicked out because they was downsizing and shit back in 2013. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, I joined. I joined when I, in, in 99. You know what I'm saying? I had got arrested and shit, man. Fucking my pro bono lawyer, the D, uh, legal aid. His brother was a recruiter, man. So part of the plea deal was for me to, you know what I'm saying, join the military and shit, man. Probably the best decision I ever made, man. I went to Japan. Uh, I left, and I'm saying I left when I was 18. Went to Japan, man. Met my wife out there. Had three kids out there. You know what I'm saying? The rest is history, man. So, salute to you, man. Salute to all the combat veterans out there. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a somber day. You know what I mean for some of us, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I went. Uh, I went and changed my decision, man. Even though I wasn't ready to join when I did, but. Ups and downs and shit, man. But I wouldn't change it for the world, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. You mentioned, man. Looking back where I've been, you know, just in the states, I I lived in about twenty different states. Been to, you know, Okinawa, Japan, you know, South Korea. I got to, you know, be out there in England and London Heath. Got to go to Poland, Warsaw, Krakow, Spain. You know, I. Like I, I've been everywhere, and whenever I look back on my military experience, I always think about the shitty places I've been. Yeah, I remember, yo, we pulled up in Afghanistan in Bagram, and this was in like May 2010. And you can Google this. You can Google Bagram Air Base attack May 2010. And I, I got there. I was there for about two or three days. And then we had an attack on the base, and Bagram is one of the biggest bases, you know, in the military. These people, they were in their cars, and they were driving up to the base. And um, they had our uniforms on, and they shaved. So they're coming up to the gate, and it's like, yo, wait a minute. Something ain't right. The cars went from, like, 15 miles an hour to, like, 40 miles an hour. And there were like ten of them in a line. They were staggering, and you know that's highly suspicious. You don't you don't do that. So, boom, they they attacked the base on one side, and on the other side, you know, it's literally just the fence that separates you know the base from the real Afghanistan. These motherfuckers were throwing the grenades into the base and shit. And out there in Afghanistan, in Bagram, if you go back to like the nineties when the, when the Russians were there trying to take over. They they turn basically Afghanistan into a minefield. So there's certain parts of the base or the area where it's marked off like you can't walk, don't walk. And, you know, cows would step on the mines and the cows would blow up. But anyways, these guys are going through the landmine because, mind you, if they die, they win. 
And that, that's like a victory for them. So they didn't give a shit that they were landmines out there. You know, this was like their jihad. So they're running through the landmines, throwing grenades over. So our guys, you know, we get the Hapachis up. And I remember, you know, my unit, my, my commander was like, hey, yo, we got to figure out a way to get outside the wire. And if you don't know what outside the wire is, outside the base or inside the base. So we, we had to figure out how to get outside the wire so we can ambush them from the back so I can call in an airstrike. Now, mind you, the helicopters can still go up and shoot, bang, bang, bang. But if you really want a tactical airstrike and you can't use drones right then and there, you had to have a, a jet or somebody come from, you know, 30, 40 miles away. So we, we figured out a way to go up into the mountains and come back down. And that's what I was doing when I was John Moran's age. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I don't want to get into um, a big rant about that. But, you know, some of the topics that, you know, we want to talk about, you know, we do want to talk about a Memorial Day. So if any, when the speakers come up, you know, if you got something to say about it, if you don't, that's all good. But we also want to talk about, you know, IQ's extension and why it would make sense business-wise or why it may not make sense because I think it makes sense business-wise. But um, we got that. And then we also want to get into, you know, Mets and Yankees. You know, I grew up in the era, you know, where the Yankees were the Yankees. You know, that that was the team. And I always perceived Mets fans a certain way, perceived the Mets players a certain way. You know, I, I hated guys like Todd Zill, John Olerud, Armando Benitez, you know, Leiter. You know, I hated those. Even David Cohn. I hated those guys. And the worst part for me were Mets fans. I couldn't stand Mets fans either. But then I'll, we also want to get into the Southern impact on hip-hop. You know, has this been a good thing? Has it been a bad thing? Because we see a lot of the influence now with music. It's coming from the South, and it's been like that for a long time now. And we can look at the way it's impacted production, sound. There's no boom bop. And you can even go back into the to 2000s. You know, yeah, Little John and them. Then you can even go back, you know, 10 years, 15 years before that. Go back to guys like, you know, Scarface, even Primo. Because people, people forget Primo's, he's not from New York. You know, he's from Texas. So, you know, guys like Scarface, Outkast. And believe it, believe it or not, the GOAT of the South is Lil Wayne. In my opinion, that's the GOAT of the South. B.O., top bunk, bro. What's good, man? You got anything you want to add? Anything you want to say? Yo, yo. Uh, first and foremost, appreciate you letting me uh, call with you, man. It, it, it's, it, it's dope. Um, it's going to be fun, man. Shout out, shout out, to, shout out to you guys. Um, you know, thank you for your service at the end of the day. Um, like I told you yesterday, happy Memorial uh, Day, obviously, to, to everybody, man, no matter how you celebrate it. Um, we always think about the ones who lost their lives there uh, there in this time. Um, so shout out to you guys. Um, no, nah, man, look, I'm just excited uh, to talk about the Knicks, talk about the Mets as well. Obviously, it's a, I'm a Met fan, so it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> um, our, our opinions um, but also talk about hip hop. I, I, I'm, I've grown, I've grown up on hip hop um, since I since I was a youngin, and and to see, you know, to have a, a space where we could talk about hip hop. You know, not a lot of people just, you know do spaces where you where they talk about hip hop. Just you know how how it's shaped over the years and and some of the legends that that have been in the game to to shape the way it is now. Um, you know, I think it's dope that that you get to cover that. So I'm excited, man. I can't wait. 
Yeah, man. And, and to be honest, man, I'm a hip hop head, but yo, believe it or not, yo, back in the day, your boy Bully, I was heavy into alternative. I was heavy into punk. I was listening to bands, you know, like like Yellow Card. I was listening to Hooba Stank. I was listening to 311. I was listening to Finger 11, you know, Blink 182, Sum 41. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a diverse person, man. I even go back into the early 90s where you had bands like, you know, the Stone Roses. You had, you know, Oasis. When you had like that grunge, that that grunge era, you know, the early 90s, you know, the, the Kurt Cobain era. So, you know, I, I get into my bag. And when it comes to music, man, I don't discriminate, man. Good music is, is good music, whether yo, it's hip hop or yo, not. Bully. So, bully, real, real, what real up? quick. What up, Lefty? It's good. Good morning. Um, I, I'm I'm on a walk right now. Uh, I just I'm about to pull up to the Dominican shop right now. Now, do you think? Uh, ahead, bro. I just wanted to say, man. Uh, I'm I'm very happy that Boston came back down 3-0 and tied it up, tied it up <laughs> 3-3. Um, because when we were saying uh, when the Knicks were up 3-1 and the Knicks are down 3-1 and people are adding the, the conversation of. You know, it's a best of seven. It's first to four. A series is not over. All those things, right? I feel like you, you're a huge Yankees fan, so you know, like, 3-0 doesn't mean shit to me. Like, 2000, Since 2004, yeah, it hasn't meant shit to it doesn't, me. 3-0 doesn't mean shit to me. I'm very happy that it's happening. People also need to realize that for the last two games, actually the last three games, Boston's been a favorite in all three of them. Uh, so, like, people are acting like this is, like, Nick Saban losing to Vanderbilt in October. Like, this is a very normal thing for a second seed to beat an eighth seed, especially two of those games being at home. So, or, or uh, I'm, uh, let me let me just preface that. Eight-point uh, favorite uh, in game five. So, like, and, and they were a three-point favorite on the road, road uh, place. So, I got to cut the take short, but I just want to say that I've Boston can't hurt me anymore. I've seen David Ortiz off Mariano. It's right here. Yeah. I've seen David Ortiz off Mariano. Oh, you're leaving? I love it. I've seen David Ortiz off Mariano. I've seen uh, Tom Brady beat the shit out of us for a whole decade and a half. I don't care. Like, people are like, ooh, uh, you know, it'd be really nice to see Boston lose. Boston loses, they go to sleep on, like, dozens of playoff appearances and mad NBA finals. Like, it does nothing to me. They'll be fine. Like, if the Knicks win a championship, I'm going skydiving without a parachute. I don't care. Like, there's nothing you can do to hurt me at that point. Um, but, yeah, but Miami, I need Miami's fan base to be humbled. Uh, I want to see who's, I, I think Pat Riley is potentially going to be a corpse soon. You know, God bless him, but he's old. Uh, so I want to see Miami get put to the test. I want to see their fans have to deal with some some measure of pain uh, to justify their joy. And that's that's my take. Y'all have a good day. This isn't disrespect, it's the truth. Yo, he, he brought up a good point, yo. And um, Top Bunk, Rick, you know, hop in. Jeremy, you, you want to hop in? Hop in whenever you're ready to hop in. Yo, he put up a good point, man, because it came across my head. I'm like, as as a Yankees fan, seeing a Boston team come back down from 3-0, 
like like the Yankee fan in me and the hate of of Boston that I have in me is actually like pulling for Miami. Like at this point, it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm a Knicks fan, so whether Miami wins or or, or Boston wins, like there's no silver lining in it in it for me. Exactly. I was just gonna I was just gonna say that. I mean, you talk about the history behind what Boston's doing right now. You don't find it funny that the last team to do what they're possibly about to do was Boston, the Red Sox in two thousand four. Like it's crazy how history repeats itself in, in, in a in a funny manner. Um, but you know, there's Nick fans on my timeline talking about, oh, you know, glad that Boston came back and you know that I want Boston to do this to Miami, and it's like, I mean, if if you're um uh, uh like an actual like legit Nick fan, you know you know the history, you shouldn't care about what either of these motherfucking teams do. Like to me, I I don't I don't care who wins the Eastern Conference uh fucking finals. I, I Denver's gonna, in my opinion, Denver's gonna beat them. Whether whether they match up with the Heat or whether they match up with the with the Celtics, I think Denver's a better team. Denver's our overall better team. And Mez, I see your hands down, your thumbs down. I don't give a shit. I saw you. We spoke about this yesterday. Um, I think Denver's a, a much better team. So whoever wins game seven is going to run into a fucking whole different team that is already fucking, in my opinion, set because of the amount of days off that they got. And I know certain people are going to say, it doesn't matter, you know, because whatever team comes out of game seven could automatically, you know, get that advantage and, 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 and possibly beat Denver. And it's like, nah, I don't think no, both those teams don't match up well, in my opinion, against, uh, against Denver. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, but it's funny how, how history repeats itself in, in a funny manner. Yo, last night was a confusing time, man. Cause like, I really, I really hate Miami, bro. Cause then like, I'm, re- I'm kind of rooting for Miami cause I want Denver to win it. Cause I feel like the Jokic slander. This year was like out of hand. It was a crazy agenda against Jokic. So I'm kind of rooting for Denver this year. You know what I'm saying? So like last night, I found myself kind of rooting for Miami, but then like getting hyped when Boston scored because I hate Miami, but then I hate Boston. So like my mind was all fucked up yesterday. My, I didn't know who I wanted to win, man. Like at the end of the day, I want both of these teams to get smacked. You know what I'm saying? But I'm rooting for Denver, man. I don't think none of these teams got nothing for Denver, man. You see like every close game, Boston finds a way to lose every close game, man down the stretch, man. Like, the ball always ends up in Marcus Smart's hands for some reason, man. Tatum and Brown, I'm, I'm not convinced. I know they superstars and shit, but I'm not convinced. Yo, that, that shot saved Tatum's ass with Hell those yeah. turnovers he had, like, in the last two minutes. Yo, that 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 saved uh, Tatum's ass. That's, that's, a, that's an infuriating team to watch, too, man, if you were a Boston fan. Like, I can't imagine if I was a Boston fan just watching a team that talented just constantly shit the bed all the time. And I don't blame the coach because this has been this has happened. Let's happen last year in the finals too. Everything that's going on in this series in the first three games, you saw that shit last year in the finals. So like, even though the coach is probably over his head, but the, the, a lot of that shit got to do with the players. They got two different coaches too. That's a good point, Rick. Because yeah, last man. year, fucking Ime Udoka was their coach, and the same shit that they're doing in the in, in in the series right now, what they did in the finals, it's with a different coach. So yeah, so so regardless of what Joe Mazzulla is doing. Exactly. Whatever Joe Mazzula is doing, these certain guys picked up. <laughs> I guess they used to what what they were doing last year, and they're making the same mistake. 
So, like, people talking about, oh, they, you know, there's Joe Missoula, do, you know, doing And it's like, no, they were what they're doing right now, as far as their flaws defensively, they were doing it in the finals last year. And that's one of the reasons why they lost. And they had a different coach. Even Yudoka's their coach. Now Joe Missoula's their coach. And they're still, they're still making the same fucking mistakes on defense. Yo, um, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, I 95, Rick, um, Top Bunk Sports. I don't know if I met you before, but nice, nice hearing from you. Uh, I 95 and Rick, uh, I, main reason I want to come up was just to thank you guys for your service. Like, obviously, we all talk hoops and basketball on here, but like, you know, that's some real shit. And just thank you guys. Uh, you know, there's nothing, there's not enough I can say about that. I just, you know, we all were very privileged, you know, a lot of us to, to just live here and, and not have to defend this country and, and the people that, that do, like, they make the ultimate sacrifice. So I think it's it's good for everyone to take a minute to just think about that this weekend. Um, so much love, guys, and thank you. Um, on the basketball front, um, I think yesterday showed, and just the series in general, um, how ridiculous it is to, to – to have said that the Knicks were the best, you know, the second best team in the East. And I think it shows that everyone has a lot, not everyone, but a lot of, a lot of fans have uh, suffered from extreme recency bias and just can't really, you know, see the bigger picture. You know, there are a lot of teams in the East that are better than us. Um, there were some good things we did this series, but overall the main takeaway after this series is that we've got a lot of work to do. And um, I, I think it really starts with the coach you mentioned earlier, uh, I'm going to just hit a couple things real quick. And you mentioned earlier, um, uh, the South, the, uh, the contract extensions with IQ. And yeah. RIQ, I'm very, I'm very concerned about that. Cause I think, um, I know there's a lot of IQ, uh, like strong IQ support in the app. I feel like when you, when you stink the bed in the playoffs, it's like now the burden of proof shifts to you as a player to, prove that you're not soft um and then and 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 basically it's like i don't want to just i, I don't want to like bet on iq right now as an organization i feel like because of that because of you know how much money he thinks or his camp probably thinks he deserves um he's gonna ask for a lot i think it's the time to move him in in, in a package this summer um i've said in many spaces i think the move is to go after uh, a stretch big uh, I think the guy to go after is Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, there's a lot of warts there, um, but when, when you look at it, at the end of the day, we're going to need a we're going to need a max contract anyway if we're going to want to upgrade, you know, stars at some point. And having that on the books actually gives us an advantage when you look at the new salary, the new uh, uh, collective bargaining agreement, and 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 how difficult it is to acquire uh, new max players without you know max players agreeing. I believe someone can correct me if I'm wrong there, but. Um, so I, I think there are other reasons to do it, and I'm, I'm, I, I really hope that that we at least make some sort of like you know substantial improvement so that we can have some more floor spacing, and uh, yeah, and trade Randall obviously. I mean, everyone's been saying that. But thanks for having me up, and again, thank you guys for your service. The, the main message I, I wanted to send today. But thanks again. Yo, no, no doubt, Jeremy, and all, all the points you made are are pretty valid. Like, when I say, like, like for me, you know, just outside of the player, like, outside of the X's and O's, you know, you, you got to give this kid a contract if you're not going to trade him. Like, I'm just working on the premise 
that he's going to be here. So, like, me knowing that he's going to be here, at least for now, or, or thinking that, it's like you, you can't let this guy go a year without a contract because one thing I worry about, maybe it's the, the Jeremy Lin PTSD, I don't know, but, like, my biggest fear is a team next offseason comes and says, yeah, he's a restricted free agent, but what are you going to do if I throw $120 million at him? And that's the spot that I don't want them to be in because that, that's a dicey spot because then you lose them for what? So to me, if I'm looking at Emmanuel quickly at $100 million, it's still an asset. It, that, that's, that's still an asset. So just looking at it from, from that point, but I think the bigger problem comes when you look at quickly at 100, RJ at 100, Brunson at 100, Randall at 100, and then you're going to have, you know, Josh Howard at, at what, between 15 and 17 a year. So that's, for me, it's like where it's starting to get dicey. I mean, you're not going to have all these guys at $100 million. And I said it yesterday in uh, Nick's recap space, um, every Saturday, 10 to 12, you know, somebody's somebody's got to go. Like, unfortunately, I'm not saying. Yeah, and I was going to say that's that's starter money too, man. Twenty million. It's like, yeah. I think for IQ, the bigger the bigger problem is there's also no path for him to start behind Brunson. And if you want to run a small guard lineup, it's a whole slew of other issues. But yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And it's like, like it's you no know, like quickly is is not a, a bench guy. Like quickly, he's a starter. Like that's who he is. Like regardless of the playoffs, you know, he's a starter. And so it's like the Knicks are in this spot where you have to pay your backup point guard as a starter. So I I don't know. It's it's tough. Yo, you got anything, uh, Bunker Rick? I think the timeline. Can you hear me? Yep, Crystal. Yo, I think the timeline just got accelerated, and you know what I'm saying. Like two two things accelerated the timeline. You got Jalen Brunson being like what the kids call him, because I don't think anybody expected Brunson to be as good this year in the playoffs as he was, and then two. You know what I'm saying? Us overachieving. You know what I'm saying? Making it to the second round or whatever. So now, we quickly, you got to pay the dude, right? You got to pay him soon, or you, or you got to you have to trade him, right? So he didn't necessarily play well, you know what I mean? But you know who else didn't play well in his first playoffs? Jalen Brunson. But we were, we ran out of time. We're out of time. We have we don't have any more time to evaluate. We can't wait for him to have another postseason. You know what I'm saying? Because this offseason. You know what I'm saying? The front office is looking to make moves to improve on, you know what I'm saying? Because now you have to win in Jalen Brunson's timeline. You know what I mean? So all this shit got sped up because of this year. And now what you're looking at is we got to make a decision because we, we, we're, we're past due a consolidation trade. Like, we probably should have made it, you know what I'm saying, last that, that's season. Yo, Rick, that, that's what the Donovan Mitchell trade was. That was a consolidation trade, and they, they, they missed the board on it. And in hindsight, you know what I'm saying, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get, you know what I'm saying, like taking that out to the woodshed by Danny, Danny Ainge and shit, but like in hindsight, it was probably the trade to make because now you got to make a decision on quickly, which I don't think they're gonna pay him. I think they, I think he's out of here on one of these trades this summer, man. And and I I kind of agree because I, I like I said we don't have any more time to evaluate. You know what I'm saying? Like you know the timeline is a lot of dudes that like you know the quickly stands. It's a never ending story of like you know what I mean? Like the uh, the, the the draft and develop against the trade for a star, you know what I'm saying? I've been in the draft and developed camp, but now that you found, you know, a diamond in the rough in Brunson, and like, he's on a, he's on a, like, a, he's on a real 10-team friendly deal, so we got to win in his window, 
You know what I'm saying? And not to mention, now, now you're working on the front office's window, too. Because, you know, we overachieved this year. And if we regress next year, then they, they got their fucking feet to the fire. You know what I mean? So so it's a lot of shit that's going to come into play this offseason. But I think the consolidation trade is coming. You know what I'm saying? I think quickly is out of here, man. I don't think, I don't think they're going to pay him. And it's unfortunate because, like I said, we don't have enough time to evaluate him for real. Like, because who knows, man? Like like I said, Brunson didn't have his best playoff run. He got his uh, first playoff run. He got benched. You know what I mean? And now look what happened, you know what I'm saying, when he, last year. Yeah, he yo, that, yo, that playoff season, he, Jalen Brunson wasn't playable. Like, it wasn't like, oh, it's a tough decision. Like, he was just bad. Um, and, that's that my concern, and that's my concern with bringing in Carl Anthony Towns, man, because um, imagine imagine Jalen Brunson and Carl Anthony Towns, like, in the playoffs. They're going to run that pick and roll, man. Like, teams are going to fucking attack those two in the pick and roll over and over and over and over again. And not to mention, I have my own, like, reservations with Carl Anthony Towns as mental, man. Like, I know people want specifics and all that type of shit, man, but, like, I don't know, man. He he just seems like the type of dude. He he cries a lot. He's kind of soft. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if he's the right fit. If we're gonna if we're gonna empty the clip, let it be for somebody like Embiid, somebody like that. Even though he has his warts too, man. But you no, need a Rick, top five player. Rick, if Embiid's not available, right? Like, and we 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 all agree we need a stretch big to like you know really get the most out of you know Brunson and you know Barrett if he's here too. To less, I think y'all need a trade, Barrett. So, so who, who do you want? Who do you want to? My question is, like, who do you want to go after uh, as far as, like, a stretch big as concerned? you want to go after Porzingis? Like, do you – Nah, nah. I was a big kinda... proponent of the Miles Turner trade. That's the trade that I wanted to make. Even though it's not like – you know, he's not a top five, top ten NBA player. But I wanted him – you know what I'm saying? I wanted to bring him in. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think I think we're going to end up settling for Conte Towns, man, and Zach Levine. That's who I think is coming here this summer. Earlier you guys were I don't talking – I don't know man. Earlier you guys were talking about – Paying somebody, it's all right. When I got in, what player were y'all talking about? Uh, Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think y'all. I think y'all could find better. To be honest, like he's good, but so how do you, how do you define better? What do you mean by that? Find better. What do you mean by that? Like a player who can he comes off the bench. He he occasionally starts for y'all, correct? Yeah, started like what twenty games this yeah. year, something like that. It's, it's like. I watch him. I don't watch the Knicks ex- extensively. I'm a Pels fan. I watch him in the playoffs. But he comes off. I f- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, real, real quick. You said you did. You watched him where? I said I watched him during the playoffs. But I don't watch them. What was that last word? What, what was that last word you said? I don't, I'm a Pels fan, but I don't watch him extensively. No, nah, I'm messing with you, man. It's a little playoff joke. Go ahead, man. Oh, all right. No, you good. It's like I feel like y'all, y'all need a little bit more scoring out of him. You you know what yo I don't I I see where you're coming from I was thinking about thinking about him last night like the contract and, and what all does that. he want for a contract if it's not nothing big he, he y'all could probably keep him but to me when well, players, we, what do you, when players are requesting I mean, a big if contract he look, if he wants starter if he wants starter money if he wants starter he money be that's more of a score yeah and that's what I'm trying to say it's like I've watched him here and there like every now and then bro he'll explode he'll give you a good game but he don't do it consistently. You need a Gary Trent Jr. in here. That's the guy you you really need to go after as far as guard. Exactly, exactly. And but let me it could be let me too. Let, let me ask you guys a question though. All right, if we say that quickly, he needs to score more. But the reason why he's not scoring more isn't a fault of his own. It's part of the system that he plays in. He's 
he's in the lineup with, you know, most of the time with two other high usage guys with the a Brunson yeah. or, or or with or with the Randall. So imagine if you gave IQ um RJ Barrett's usage. What would his numbers look like then? He's already proven to be um like outside of the playoffs, he's proven to be more efficient than RJ. So if you were to give IQ RJ's usage, you know, then IQ would be at, you know, 20, 21, so me, 22 points a game. Let me ask you a question then. He's not more he's, efficient he's, than he's, RJ. Always he's undersized, great. right? Quickly is, right? Is, is he undersized as a, as a point yeah, guard or small. just in? He looks small. He's under. If you're gonna play him alongside Brunson, he's definitely underside. You can't play those. Yeah, you can't. You can't that's start what I was about to court. say. That's like a defensive liability. Because that's Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum yeah. all over. Again. And I will say though, I agree. Like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Thing, you you put you you compared CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard to IQ's defense. No, there's not even. What are you talking about? I'm, that's I I'm just saying, saying alongside each other. They both small guards. You know what I mean? Like that typically gets exposed on defense. Yeah, play bro. Quickly and it's hard to other. guard and be a good defensive team with two undersized guards. Have you guys been watching IQ play defense? He's good at steals. Bro. Past couple years. I mean, like, please no, talk about. He, no, nobody's saying he's trash. Nobody's saying, saying he's trash, trash bro. bro. It's like they're just, just a lot. They're just small. Yeah, they're short. It's it's like it's that easily gets exposed. That's all I'm saying. I agree with you. So no, 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 no. You say it easily gets exposed. So let's when they they can they they hunt they hunted IQ a little bit more. But I mean, but you're talking about in the playoffs, right, Jeremy? Not not just the playoffs. I mean, the issue is also you know IQ is coming off the bench, right? Like he's playing, you know, like like the, the that's why I don't like defensive metrics in the regular season. I think no, no, Jake, Jake, you can get your point. Like he, he's, he's <laughs> obviously like a, a solid defender. Yeah, when you put like bigger, when you put bigger guys on him, and you're in a high pressure situation, it's not. It's gonna be it's, hard. It's not good. Yeah. Look, yeah. you can still you can, look. You can be a good on ball defender and still get exposed defensively if you're going against taller guys. Yeah. IQ is one of the best off ball defenders in the league. What are you, what are we talking about? But he's still small, though. That's that's what we're getting at. Like, how, still... how, how are you? Uh, how are you making that, that that judgment based off defensive analytics? No, seriously, I'm just curious. Like, because I I think when I watch him play, I number one, there's a statistic that was was out earlier this year, and I'm not making this up. He was uh, the luckiest player in the league statistically when it, when it came to uh, to, to field goal percentage. So there's that too. Um, I'm just. Yeah, they said he was the the luckiest. I never. He was the luckiest defender like in the league. Yeah, yeah. How do they the, the define guy, the guy who runs uh, B ball index? Yeah. Uh, posted that earlier in like you know a couple months ago. Like, like there's there's a there's a metric for it, but my point is like, if he's your two, if he's your two, right? It's one thing if like he's coming off the bench, he's your one. And he's playing some minutes against another team's bench. Like I think, obviously, like defensively, he's more than he can more than hold his own. But if you're asking to be a starting two guard, you know, look at look at across the landscape of the league. Look at the size of those players, and then ask yourself in the playoffs, which because he's if he's getting paid, he's going to be playing heavy minutes in the playoffs. If you really trust that 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 kind of guy as your starting two. Oh, so you guys are just saying like him next to Brunson, right? So like the question is like if he's getting paid twenty million dollars a year. Then that's starter money. He should be starting. Oh, theory, quickly. Right? quickly. I'm like saying let's yeah. let's say for the sake of argument they trade RJ and they're like, all right, let's let's start quickly at the two guard, right? The problem with that is just like you're 
was what we saw with uh, with Cleveland, man. It's it's hard when you have two small guards. Yep. Um, we saw the same problem. You know, we mentioned Damon and CJ McCollum. Can like, I ask you a those question? Those guys are bigger collectively. Hold on, yo. So you guys, you guys wouldn't have a problem. Let's hypothetical. If a backcourt was Dejounte Murray and IQ, it's just the fact that Brunson small and IQ is yes. small. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we're saying. It's just hard to be like, bro. That can only get you so far. Is what is what I'm saying. But let me ask you this: because you were talking about if he wants starter money, the the player that I think about that's like, okay, he was coming off the bench, but he can be. He's got like starter potential. It's like they could be a starter. Players like that, when I think about that, it's like a Tyler Hero or Austin Reeves. He just proved that this year. He'll be a starter next year. It's like, do y'all see, do y'all look at quickly like he can be that type of player? You want to take that bump? I, I think he can. I, I think just the, the issue, I think the issue is um just where, where the contract, where the like, contract, I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything towards him. As a, as a player, I think he can. So, what do you he, think his value that. is from a contract standpoint? If you was a GM, what would you pay him each year? I don't know. It's, it like, I wish I could give you a thing right now. Like, even while you guys are talking, I was, I was eighteen I was to twenty-two million. You, you, I don't think I, he's worth that much in that range. Jake, well, is that what you think? Josh Hart is going to get that. So you know, IQ is going to exceed that. Yeah, well, Josh Hart's not a starting caliber wing, in my opinion. Jake, is that is is that what you're saying? You would give him, or you think, or you're saying that based, I, like I, I think that's what his market value is. I think. I, I'd give him like fifteen. That's way too so hard. you so Emmanuel quickly slight. You you think he would get slightly more than the mid level exception? I think that's that's kind of kind of wild. Mid level exception is like thirteen or something like that. I think quickly is worth more than than fifteen. Yeah, I think he. I think he's worth more than fifteen for sure. I just, I just, it's gonna be hard to surpass to, to see if they bring him. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to see if they bring him back. I, I don't know. It, it, it's gonna be hard because, ba- based on what I've seen or what I've heard from guys that I follow, like on the time, like, uh, uh, like Jake, Big Mo, like that. I've, I've seen. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a fifty-fifty conversation. Um, and obviously, the whole thing uh, that Rick was saying about them bringing Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Zach Levine, I do see Carl Anthony Towns being here. I mean, is it everybody's cup of tea? No, but again, he's. I mean, he looked DA. pretty good the last like month or so of the season. I thought he looked all right. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I just, um, and I've been I've been a a, a Carl Anthony Towns fan since he got drafted. My my only thing is um. Is you know people were making the comparisons to like oh he's a Julius Randle two point and I was like you know I could I could understand like I could see that I could understand that like I could understand why Nick fans wouldn't necessarily want him here just based off that Randle's so disappointed me oh he's disappointed a lot of us <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's disappointed a lot of us um, just based on what he's done in the play in in the playoffs I mean. You know, you you're basically what what it is is you're a regular season player. Yeah, he and was then playing pretty well. Come, yeah. right. Hop in right after Jake. Yeah, when, when when and I remember the space that uh that was done after after the playoffs after we lost Game Six, and I basically said that I only gave Julius Randle three good games in the playoffs. Um, that was Game One of of the of the Cleveland series. Um, that was game two. I'm not game two. Uh, game five, 
And then I think it was game two of the Miami series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was it. All the other games that we've that we've played, he was completely trashed, nowhere to be found, it, and it, it was bad. So, yeah, uh, he's been very disappointing. Let's uh, go Jake. to G- Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? Good morning. Hey, yo, Jake. What's going on, Billy? Yo, real quick, um, I know you're about to give a take, but if you could, can you give me um, also a take on the Southern impact in hip hop, I know you down here in Texas. Of course, bro. Of course. A lot of your top, a lot of your top guys come from down here. So, can you give me some thoughts on that too? And then also, I know you're not from New York, but if you have any thoughts on Yankees or Mets or anything, so whatever your original take is, and if you could just touch on the other things, and if you want um, a memorial uh, take as well about vets, you know, you're because you're in Texas, a lot of bases and stations down there so mm-hmm. is there any interactions you've had with vets or active duty people anything like that yeah for sure bro um yeah i was gonna say you know happy memorial day weekend to everybody um so when it comes to the military um i generally don't jive with the whole system right but i definitely respect and um you know give the the the, the due respect to the people that serve. Um, I've had friends uh, serve in the military, you know, get what they can get out of it. And, you know, overall it's been a, you know, a good experience for them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for, for what they do. Um, but uh, let's see. So, so Southern rap. So I think that the time that I was growing up in Texas, which was like, you know, pretty much from like 96 on is whenever I've been here. So, um, around that era of like the early two thousands, especially, um, there's always been like a movement of, you know, like Southern rap, Texas rap, whatever that, um, hey, yo, real quick, yo, Texas, yeah. South, is it the South or is it the Midwest? No, it's the South, bro. Come on. It's the South. But, uh, but yeah, like, uh, Texas rap always had its own, like, flavor, right? It, it always had its own culture. It, it always had its own sound, right? And I think that, you know, with, with, with some of the early pioneers, fucking Fat Pat, Big Hawk, Lil Kiki, um, I guess you can throw Scarface in there, but, like, to me, Scarface doesn't really embody, like, Texas rap, you know? Like, I, I feel- uh, I feel like he's more of like a, I don't know. He sounds like almost kind of West Coast to me, you know. He but but like there were guys that really embodied that Texas sound, and um, obviously you got to include uh, Bun B and Pimp C and you know all, all of the legendary people that that, that came up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. That but but that was later, man. That was much later. Um, but to, from my perspective, what happened is that, you know, Texas had its own sound, Louisiana rap had its own sound. Um, Atlanta was getting hot in like the late two thousands and there was a time like that, where that little John era when he, when he blew up, right? Yeah. Around that time and like Jeezy and all them that, uh, 
it, it was almost like a combined forces of like Texas rap, Louisiana rap, and Atlanta rap that was like just like Southern rap, right? Like like Ludacris to me is like a more like Texas Southern sounding rapper than like an Atlanta sounding rapper, you know? But like I I always just thought it was dope that like when it came to like Southern rap that there was so much collaboration and just like doing shit together. And there was a moment in time that like, I know people talk a lot of shit about, you know, my opinion about New York music, but like there was a time where like Southern rap was evening up the score a little bit, you know, like it, like they were approaching that, that level. Um, and in terms of like impact on, on rap and, and just like the culture of rapping and all that stuff. Um, I thought it was big, man. I, I, I thought that, you know, the styles and stuff that I heard from like way back when were like making a comeback and, and, you know, getting to the mainstream and all that stuff. So, um, it was just dope, man. It, it was, a, it was a, definitely a cool experience for me to grow up during that era and kind of listen to the music evolve. Um, yo, yo, Jay, what's up? Real quick, yo, like, so my first exposure to like, you know, saying dudes from Houston or, you know, anybody around the country in general was the mm. military and shit. And I got to say, man, like, the Houston dudes, I always clicked up with the Houston dudes, man. Like, dudes from Houston are mad cool, man. Like, they're, they're the most similar. If, um, if you want to compare, like, just the way we, uh, we, we approach, the way we approach things, the way we see things, as, a New, as New Yorkers and shit, out of all the cities down south, man, Houston is number one for me, man. I got mad love for Houston dudes. And, and the music, too, man. The first time I heard Chop the Screw, my man was giving me a ride home from the club and I was stationed in Japan. And I was like, yo, what's up with your tape deck, bro? That shit, like, you know, your BPMs is kind of low right now. Mm-hmm. He, was like, he was like, nah, bro, that's Chop the Screw, man. So shout to Houston, man. Shout to Texas and shit. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying, man. They were, they were pioneers in their own way. Um, obviously, you got DJ Screw and um, just all of, like, the, you know, like, Swish a House and, and all of that stuff that... Uh, that yo, was- I, used to, I used to love Paul Wall, man. Yo, when he came out with that sitting sideways joint, yo, that was, yo, when that came out, bro, I was working in a Foot Locker, yo, when that would come on, I'm out there with the referee suit, like, yo, Paul Walton, yo, he was a dope lyricist, well, he is, you know, a dope lyricist as well, yo, he had, he had the flow, he had the wordplay, he had the bars, the multi-syllabs, like, for all the things that I like in the MC, like, Paul Wall had it all. Yo, don't, don't forget uh, 8-Ball and MJG, too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, bro. 8-Ball is nasty. MJG, too, but I like 8-Ball and shit. Whole time of the swap. Yeah. No, nah, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, and now that you mention it, or now that I thought about it, I, I, I think you got to include, like, Memphis and, you know, that region as well when it comes to, like, Southern rap, too. Um there's like similarities, but you know, key differences, but, uh, but yeah, you know, um, I, I think that's probably enough of that topic though. Um, moving on to, uh, the Knicks stuff. Look, I, I think when it comes to this IQ discussion, right. I think it's possible and just hear me out guys. I think it's, I think it's possible to not tear down a player, but also say, you're not a good fit and we don't want to make that commitment. And I think that's totally fine because I'm with bully. I think he is, he is a, I think he's an above average defender. Um, at times can be an elite defender. Um, 
I think that he's absolutely going to get somewhere in like the 18 to 22. I, I would say his, his floor is probably 20 based on that report and just the interest around him around the league um, that he's probably going to get 20 plus. And to me, looking at the roster construction, I think you really need a true catch and shoot two guard on the team. Um, and IQ is not that. Um, you need somebody that's going to space the floor, and when Brunson's doing his thing and he kicks it out, you're just going to bang it, bang a three. Like, and and you need to play defense. Like, so, um, you know, for the people that have been saying, oh, you know, maybe we can start him at the two, I I, I don't see it. Um, definitely, damn, not sure starting at the one. And I know Tom Thibodeau had him playing backup three for half of the fucking season because he just didn't want to play Cam Reddish. But um, he he's he's not a, he's damn sure not a three guard either. So to Jake, me, can I also say that it's good that it would be uh, it would be not stupid, but it wouldn't make sense to pay him based off his one successful year. I mean, we kind of been there, done that, and we kind of made a mistake with Randall. No, that extension. I, or... I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't see it that way because to me, IQ has been trending up for a while now. Um, in the 2021 season, he was just learning how to play point guard. And 2022 was like a, a year where he got extended starter minutes, right? Like he actually got the opportunity and you saw him ascend. And yeah, he had the playoff that he had, but at the same time, resume-wise, what he put on during the regular season, you're like, hmm, if he had an even bigger role, I wonder what he could do. And that's exactly why teams are interested in him. Um, I think the problem with Randall and all of that and, and even uh, – um, who else did we extend? We, 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 RJ. RJ. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, we, we, for, for whatever reason, we extend these guys early. And with RJ, you know, it seems like it's it's most likely going to work out with, you know, his contract at, at this point in time, but it could change. Julius Randle's contract did not make any sense for why they why, why they signed him so early, especially on an ascending deal. So um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't necessarily look at it like that because it's the appropriate time to extend him and other teams are interested in him. So. To me, that is a recipe for let's let's trade this guy um, and get get value and, and get assets back. I think he's a I think he's a valuable asset for a team that wants to make a trade for a superstar. It makes sense. It's an it's an area where you have one of the better players at the position in the entire league. So having those redundant pieces making almost the same amount of money back to back doesn't really make sense as well. And um, I, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of IQ, but at the same time, I want I want to see this whole roster filled out. I'm not attached to these kids so emotionally that I'm just willing to pay them just so I can say that the Knicks, you know, drafted a player and, you know, now they're a part of the core. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Things change. And um, I think IQ would appreciate a starting role. So, I mean, if you if you lay it out all like that and look at what the player wants, what the team needs, and all that stuff, the conclusion is resounding. You should trade this kid for assets. But that's just my take. 
Yeah, Yo. I, I, I agree with you on that on that asset. I think he can be a trade piece. Um, my only thing, the reason why I looked at it as a, you know, one year type of thing, been there, done that shit, is because, you know, God forbid, and obviously he's he's a great fucking talent, uh, the kick a ball. Um, but who's to say that we do extend him? And then all of a sudden he ends up having a shit year, you know what I'm saying? And then the narratives well, are well, gonna go and, around and, and, it's, and bunk it's that that that's exactly why you trade him now because if yeah. you pay him now, and you're, you're like and and you're like oh we'll trade him later or whatever, now you have a piece that is losing value, that is underperforming now has a high salary attached to them, and it, it's it's it, um. It's in it's in the position where you already have one of the best players in the fucking league at that position. So Absolutely. it it really yeah, doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Yeah, yo, let me let me um bring up something to you guys. Something you know, I haven't been in too many spaces lately. I just haven't been able to. Um, so I don't know if you guys already talked about this, but one thing that comes to my mind is as far as just the business side of it, right? RJ Randall, right? They both have ascending contracts. Brunson has a descending contract, right? So if the Knicks extend IQ this summer, he's also going to have that whole poison pill thing that RJ had. So it's pretty much a no-trade clause for one year. And I, I find that interesting because Josh Hart, the rumor is, he may try to do the same thing, you know, opt out of his deal because he can opt into it. And they can still extend him, I, I think, I believe. So it's like, if you give IQ the money, is the contract going to be ascending or is it going to be descending? And then if you extend him, he has that whole poison provision where he's not going to be able to get, well, he can get traded, but it's going to be just very difficult. So I think like if they give him a deal and it's descending, I think that means he's going to be here to stay, like bar none. But if it's an ascending deal, I have a feeling that they're going to, you know, try to move the kid, even though it's more difficult. At some point, they're going to be looking to, to move on from the kid. But um, real quick. I, I actually view it the opposite, bully. Go ahead, go ahead, Jake. Well, um, to me, the reason why you do an ascending is for team flexibility in the current state to build around, right? Ascending, like going, going up? Right. Okay. And then descending is like, I'm, I'm going to pay the brunt of it now in case that this doesn't work out later and you're more tradable later because your salary's lower. Like Mitch. Exactly. That That's how I look at it. That's though. You know what? I, looking at it from that lens, I, I damn, that's a good point, Jay, because like one thing that I kept saying about Mitchell Robinson's contract was there's a contract that was meant to be traded or meant to, for him to, you know, want out or opt out at some point or whatever. But that, that that's a good point because I, I didn't look at it from like the, the Mitchell Robinson, like my thoughts on his contract. But real quick, we're just gonna do a quick reset because we got some heavy hitters in here. You know, it's ten fifty six Eastern Standard Time. It's your boy I ninety five B. And I'm sitting here with my guy, Rick. Rick from Far Rockaway, Queens. We got the young bull. The young bull, top bunk. And if you didn't know, this space is being brought to you by Therapy and Sports. By way of VSN. 
The Therapy and Sports Capos are in the building. Rails and B, I see you every single Thursday, 8 to 11. They don't miss. Big Mo, Nick Lounge, Jeremy, Mr. Rookie Mac Extension. Papa Love, Papa Love, the educator, the coach, the fiance. OG Brutus with his blue shoes, I see you. Surprised you haven't requested yet. Jay from East New York, I met you. We shook hands. We dapped up. We had a drink. Nick and Nish, I see you. I see you. Nahima, I see you. Miss Nish, you always in this space. Miss Queen, the Marine, the conversation, the conversation. Mrs. Rouse, therapy and sports. Therapy and sports. T Boogie, I see you. If you didn't know what we're talking about today, the topics that we are going over, we want to talk to Southern Impact on hip hop. So if you come up, you know, I would like for you to give a take on Southern hip hop, whatever your thoughts are on it. We want to talk about Yanks. We want to talk about Mets. We want to talk about the fan perspectives and how the Mets perceive the Yankees and how the Yankees perceive the Mets. We still want to get into that topic. It's not going nowhere. It's not. Right now, we're talking about IQ extension. IQ extension. Is he worth the $100 million? Is he worth a commitment? If you didn't know, the look and feel of this space is WFAN meets Hot 97. WFAN meets Hot 97. And it is Memorial Weekend. We got some, some vets in here. But even a vet, you, know, you have to salute the fallen. Like, I told my story at the top of the show. I, I, I've seen death. I've been a part of death. And it is cruel. It's cruel. And a lot of these young women, a lot of these young men that have paid the ultimate sacrifice, they were kids. If we talk about John Morant being a kid, you know, he's this, he's that. Out there on the battlefield? 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 25-year-olds. Out there on the battlefield, there's a father, there's a wife, there's a husband, there's a son, there's a daughter. So whenever you think back on don't think about what you see on TV. Look at it from that prism, that that's someone's husband out there. And everyone that goes into the military did not sign up to fight a war. Some were trying to make a way out make a better way I know for myself when I decided to join you know my initial thoughts were you know I gotta get out of here I'm too smart for this I can do better I should be better and my parents didn't really educate me about college and how to go about it but my dad he was in the air force served in Vietnam my godfather served in Vietnam my brother-in-law Served in Iraq. My uncle, both of my uncles, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So, like the military, it, it ran, it was a family business. So, I went in and I joined. And one of the best things I made in my life, one of the best I made in my life. And I'll never forget the first time they told me that I was going to deploy. You know, I was sitting there, I was having lunch. And, you know, my wife at the time, though, she's pregnant. And I see you, Jim. I'm going to get you added up. Just give me a second, bro. <clears throat> Pardon me. My wife, she's pregnant. I said, you, you guys can't deploy me now. My wife is pregnant. Like, I got to be home for my family. She, and, 
you know, mind you, I'm a kid. I'm in my early 20s. You know, I'm freaking out. She's freaking out. We're living in Florida. There, there was no family. All my family was in New York, you know, Connecticut, in the tri-state. And you know what? I had to man up. I had to man up. I was out there sleeping on the cot in the tent city at a fob. I, I said earlier, I missed the birth of my first son. Yeah, so, same like, here, same here, bro. Like, they did me dirty, man. Like, yo, talk about it. Yeah, I was uh, after 9 11, you know what I'm saying? My ship got deployed out there. My wife was pregnant. I was in the Middle East or whatever. So, I, I wanted to come home for the birth. And my supervisor was like, Well, your family didn't come in your sea bag. For those that don't know, that sea bag is that the big green military bag you see everybody uh, in the military carry or whatever. Um, so, that's the response I got when I wanted to come home, man. Like, yo, your family didn't come in your sea bag. You got obligations, you know what I'm saying? But that's just how it is, man. Yeah, my uh, my uncle um, was the same way. Uh, he's been in, he was he's retired now, but he was in the military for uh, 20 years, and um, he got deployed to Iraq around the same time. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was around 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, he was he was able to be here for his for my cousin's uh, his daughter's uh, birth, but within a month in he was already deployed back again and really wasn't able to spend a lot of time with her. Um, and he missed uh, he missed a birth in 2010. He was deployed to Afghanistan and he missed a, he missed the birth of my other cousin his his son. Um, and you kind of could tell like when he came back, he got emotional uh, just based off the fact that you know, he missed the birth of his son and, you know, being away from your kids for so long, that carries a toll on you. Although you have to carry a responsibility and you have a lot on your shoulders as much as the men that are with you on that battlefield. Um, it carries a toll because you always want to be around your family. You want to make sure that they're safe. You know, they're thinking about you and making sure that you're safe, you know, out there. And um, I, I, I could tell, again, I've, I've never been, in, in that type of scenario, that's why I would say, you know, God bless you guys. The fact that, you know, you guys are here um, and you're able to talk about this conversation. I'm still able to thank, thankfully have my uncle here with me. Um, it's, it, I, I, I could never understand that emotional task of, you know, not only being over there, but also thinking about your family every single day. I mean, the, when he found out that his, uh, his, his, uh, his son was, was there uh, after my aunt gave birth, uh, it was through an email, um, and they automat and he automatically had to had to uh, uh, you know wake up and and try to contact my aunt. Um, but you know, just being away from that, it, I I could I could just only imagine you know the feeling and, and and you know what what goes through your mind during during those times. Hey yo, speaking on that yo, salute to the wives too, man, because um, they the real. Yo, for, for real, for real. Bro, like, I did 21 years in the Navy. I'm, I'm a contractor now, so I'm still out there. I just left Iraq a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know what I'm saying? She pretty much raised my kids by herself, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, she pretty much been a single mom this whole time, man. So salute to the wives, man. They the real MVPs. She's been holding it down forever, man, 21 years. I've been married 20 years and shit, man. Um, well, 21 years now. She's been with me the whole time. And we got married right before 9-11. But right after 9-11, we was engaged or whatever, right? So, like, my um. We we had a, we was we had plans to get married, but since my ship was leaving, the captain of my ship pulled me to the side and he was like, "Yo, um, so I know you wanted to get married and shit. So if you want, I give you two days off, 
You know what I'm saying? And you can get married before we leave. So that way, you know what I'm saying, your wife get all the benefits in case anything happened to you and shit like that. So we did that. We got married in one day. We was in Japan. Like, we had to go get the marriage certificate translated in Japanese and all this shit running around. Do all this legwork in, like, two days, man. We ended up getting Yeah, you was at um, Kusan? Oh, no. Nah, I was in Yakuza. Okinawa. Nah, Yakuza. I was in the mainland Japan. Okay. Yeah, man. But, like, she been with me from the beginning, man. Like, holding it down, man. Like I said, she gave birth to my first kid without me, man. Luckily, you know what I'm saying, her parents, um, I met her out there in Japan because she was a military brat. Her dad was a in the Navy, her mom was Japanese and shit, so um, she had a support system out there, you know what I'm saying? So we, I stayed out there for 10 years, um, but she held it down, man. She's still holding it down now, man. My kid, I got kids about to go to college. All three of my kids about to be in college. And she held it down for me all these years, man. So shout out to the wives, man. Salute to y'all. Y'all, y'all. y'all get it as bad as we do, man. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to the wives too, man. Salute. Yeah, yo, like, that. that's a good point, man, because, like, there was a, a TV show, like, 10, 15 years ago called Army Wives. And like all the like in, in real life, like all the, the military spouses will watch that show. And it's like, even though like we're out there, you know, it's like you have to distract yourself, you know, from what's going on at home. You know, like your your spouse, like your wife, they don't have an option. Like they gotta go to the kids, pick them up from daycare, pick them up from school, uh, take them to soccer, take them to piano, cook dinner, cook breakfast, make lunch, do homework. And it's like that job that they do at home, they do all that. So we don't got to worry about it. So, I mean, yo, that's yo, that's a fire point, man. Good, good point bro, out of you, bro. Honestly, bro, I don't even know how they do it, son. Because, like, when I go out there, you know what I'm saying, it's just me by myself. All I got to do is worry about me. Worry about what I'm going to eat. You know what I'm saying? What time I'm going to the gym, shit like that. I can't imagine being out here, Dolo, having to worry about three kids, man. She, and that seems like every time I leave, you know what I'm saying, something happens. Like, you know what I mean? I get a fucking basement flood or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So, like. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm not built for that. So salute to women, man. Y'all the real, y'all the real ones, man. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And we got um two two new speakers that came up. We got my boy Jake from East New York of Nick Spaces, and that's my guy. Dapped him up, cool fella. He's alright. But yo, when you come up, man, if you could, you know, if you could touch on all the topics, man, the impact on on Southern rap. I know a lot of stuff that you like that you sent me. You know, there's a lot of Southern influence on there. Give me your thoughts on the IQ extension. If you got any thoughts on, on Memorial Day, if you got any thoughts on the Yankees or the Mets, you know, give it to me. Pause. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Um, Good morning. Bully, shout out to you specifically. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. And, um, you know, like I have a couple friends and family members that's um, either in the Marines or the Navy. So I definitely want to say shout out to them for taking on the tough challenge of protecting America. You feel me? So I want to start with that. Shout out to all the veterans. I don't have any veterans in my family, but I know a lot of veterans and I've heard a lot of sad stories about things that they had to go through before and after being a part of, you know, the military and fighting for the country. So definitely shout out to them. Um, as far as um, quickly, I feel like he kind of played himself out of whatever contract he thought he was going to get. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I kind of like to go with, with what the post of the people was saying. And a lot of people feel like quickly should get about 80 mil. So, I feel like give him the Evan Fournier. You know what I'm saying? 18 for four years. That's about 80 million or so. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Um, I can't really 
see his trade value right now because he did play good during the season, but in the playoffs, it kind of was like, you know what I'm saying, non-existent. So maybe I got recency bias because the last time I seen him, it's like he didn't really do much. So maybe he got to get his value up during next season. Maybe let, before let, let me ask you something, though, right? So the way I, I look at it, right, you were talking about his contract and, and, and the playoffs, how that impacted it. I think, like, once the – for me, my opinion, and you let me know how you feel about it, before the postseason started, his negotiations were starting at 100. After the playoffs, I think 100 is the ceiling on what he could get on, on an extension. Well, I, I don't I don't think the Knicks is going to touch anywhere near that, which is, I, I think the max money he get is 80. That's me being generous because I, I just want to see more out of quickly. Like, I – I do love the kids and all of that, but I'm 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 a fan of the front of the jersey, not the back. I'm, so, I'm what, what more do you want to see? Like specifically, what what more uh, do you want to see? I I would like to see him become more consistent as a facilitator and and honestly as a scorer. You know what I'm saying? Because coming off the bench, there, there's only but so many roles you can fill being a bench player, depending on how much minutes you get quickly gets a lot of minutes. And I feel like Brunson, whenever Hart or quickly comes on the floor, he kind of looks for them to do a little bit of the playmaking so he can kind of play off the ball. So I definitely want to see quickly step up a lot more in his facilitating as far as setting up others. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he does get people buckets from time to time, but I haven't seen much of that in the playoffs. I'm so so Jay, so let me let me ask you in your in your bunk and Rick, hop in whenever you want, just the conversation we having. So you say you want quickly to do more, but for me, I think it's more about the system that he's he's playing in and who he's on the court with. Like when he's on the court and he's got two other really high useless guys that thrive in isolation with this system, I'm not sure as far as like him setting up people. I mean, who's he supposed to, to set up? I mean, with, with Randall, he's not a, he hasn't shown to be a really good off ball player. So he needs to ball. He needs to hold it for a little bit. You know, he's, he's an ISO player. And then, you know, you, you have Brunson who can play off ball, but as uh, Jeremy said, and another fellow said, you really don't want IQ and Brunson, you know, starting, and then you have RJ, which, you know, he's a he's a slasher. So I think, in my opinion, man, I think it's more of the system than anything because we saw when, when RJ was hurt with the finger and Brunson was hurt. Remember that game against San Antonio where, you know, it was just quickly just doing whatever he wanted to do. And he was putting up like 25 a game or close to that, I believe, in that stretch. I think it's more a product of the system and who he's playing with rather than what he can or can't do. And, that, and that's why it's hard. It's hard to evaluate some of these guys, man. When you got Tibbs as the coach, man, because yeah, we don't run an offense that's conducive to like for, for players like quickly, man. Like he needs, we need. If you got if you're gonna build around Jalen Brunson, you gotta build a Dallas team. You know what I'm saying? But just better defensively. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna need shooters, catch and shoot guys, play five out. That's why the Anthony Towns thing. Even though I don't like Anthony Towns, it works. We, we don't want to go too far. We still want to let Jay get his, his yeah, bars I, off. I definitely, I definitely agree with all y'all points, and it's definitely fire Tibbs. So I, I'm glad that you said that, bully. You you set it up perfectly. Now I'm gonna hit it out the park. I've been saying that for the longest since the Miami Knicks series. I've been saying that we are not getting everything out of our players. 
and that falls on the coach. I don't see an offense. It's all right, your turn, my turn, and a lot of the people that's getting turns ain't doing the damn thing with the ball. So I would 100% agree that we definitely need to get a coach in here that has an offensive scheme that can look at his talent on the roster, depending on if we keep these guys or not. You know what I'm saying? But if we're talking about the current team, you got a guy that you know he can be a combo guard. You have a guy that can pretty much be a Swiss Army knife, but he's a bit undersized. You know what I'm saying? So playing him at the four and all of that, yeah, it was cute and all of that. No, I, I want some wings in here. So I do want to see a couple changes, but I want to see real offense. And that's my main thing. I don't see enough of, okay, that you can tell that that was actual basketball. A lot of the time they be playing iso ball. I could go to the park. George Gershwin Park is two blocks away. If I want to watch street ball, I could go outside and do that. When I'm looking at NBA players, I want to see a real offense. I seen I seen Jay from Florida allude to it. I don't agree with him much, but he 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 was he he made a he made a tweet about about Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown and Bam and 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 Jimmy Butler the way they was playing. That's what your star. That's stars. You feel me? Like our guys are not on that level outside of Brunson. I'm gonna say we need some more guys that's really gonna step up when it's time to step up. You know what I'm saying? But you also have to be in position to do so. Your coach got to put you in position to do that. I'm not saying Joe Mazzula is a better coach than Tibbs because he's a rook. He's pretty young, but he got stars. You feel me? Stars make the world go round. Boston at least has a system. Like, they don't have a good coach, but at least they have a philosophy. And their philosophy exactly. is jack up threes. Exactly. You know, analytics. We don't exactly. have any of that. We don't have a philosophy or a system. And that's why I want to see a new coach. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we'll get more out of everybody. Like, a, a lot of people uh, might not like this take, but I feel like we can definitely get so much more out of Mitch. Hey, Jay. I know it's the offseason. I'm not going to fall for the videos and all of that. But he's showing us he could do more. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I, hey, Jay. Somewhat. Hey, yo, let me, yo, let, let me ask you this real quick, and then we, we get your hip-hop take. And then – um. If you have a Yankees and Mets take, so you say like, we want to see like um a, a better, more fluid offensive system, which I, I agree with. That the system is is tr it's not it's not good. It's, it's not good. Like, but the one problem that I always run into, I'm like, well, what system would I run um with this team? So if you have a, a system that you would run, what would the system be that you would run with with this team? And then your hip hop take if you have one. I'm going to go, what was that, the 07, 07, whatever whatever year that was, the Pistons won the championship. That's what I want to see. see. I want to see the Knicks playing like the Pistons. That's what I want to see. You feel me? They had a point guard that could get to the basket. He could score. He was also somewhat a facilitator in Chauncey Billups. You had Rip Hamilton. That guy, he was basically a three-level. He could shoot threes. He could hit mid-ranges. He could get to the basket a little bit. You had a wiry wing in Tayshawn Prince that was a three-point shooter and a defender. You had a four-five in Rasheed, four, five in Rasheed Wallace that could stretch out and shoot. You had a power, you had a power forward slash center like Ben Wallace that was able to finish at the rim and be a defensive stalwart. You know what I'm saying? That's I want to see that type of offense from my Knicks, if I'm going to be honest. I want to see that. I want to see a well-rounded team, and I want to see selfish, selfless basketball being played. 
that Pistons team, that was some of the best basketball I watched, and I was a Kobe fan. You know what I'm saying? So I was locked. I really wanted to see Kobe win, but I respected the Pistons. I remember being a young boy watching them like, damn, that's a good team, man. Kobe is my favorite player, but he's getting beat. They getting beat by a team. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I want to see. I, I can't, I don't know what offense that is, but I just like that setup. I would like to see the Knicks have some type of setup like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we can actually do that with the personnel we got because Brunson needs like he need he needs five out basically. I feel like Brunson is gonna be the main guy in the paint next season. So I don't know how we do that, but I would like to see more of a fluent offense. Now, as far as my my southern hip hop influence. You know, I Gucci Man and like Oh my god. Yeah, listen, he this is influence only. I'm not talking about rap lyrics. Let me finish, fellas. If we talking influence, I'm gonna say Gucci Man and Lil Wayne is probably the most two influential southern artists. But, but let me let me phrase it like this, like it's more so like the southern impact on hip hop. So like what artists you think had the most southern artists that had the most impact on, on hip-hop. Okay, all right. I'm going to dig in the crates with this one. Um, There was a guy, Lord, Lord Rest the Dead. His name is Lord Infamous. He was a part of 3-6 Mafia. He was the originator of the Migos flow or that style of rap. You feel me? He was doing that in like 97, 98. So I'm going I'm to I'm throw it to them because 3-6 Mafia, I feel like they they're they're one of the one of the goats when it comes to sounds from the South. I, I, I hear that. I hear a lot of 3-6 Mafia and a lot of Southern artists. That's my take. Yeah, no doubt. I, I got a text from my boy. He got to run. So we're going to get the capo up next. The capo with Therapy and Sports. Every Thursday, 8 to 11. The flagship show of Therapy and Sports. My boy King Rudd, I know he's up there making his eggs with his lovely wife and the children. Bro, you come up here, bro. Can you give me your takes on a Memorial Day? Can you give me your thoughts on the Southern impact of hip hop? How you feel about IQ's extension? I know you showed on time, but go ahead and do your thing, brother. <laughs> Yo, what's going on, bro? Shout out to you, Rick and Top. Shout out to Abraham here. Shout out to my point in Crime B. Yeah, man. Um, and the, and the Yanks and Knicks too. If you got oh, yeah, one, the, um, the the Yanks, the Yanks, the Yankees are, are great. So we're in a great position right now. So I'm happy with them. Uh, so early in the season, but I'm loving it. Um, Mets suck. So you know, not no, no more to go there. Uh, <laughs> I know Tom. I know Tom's going to say something. Uh, yeah, I'll get to my, my quickly uh, thing in a second. Let me get to the more important thing. Shout out to everybody who served the military that's in here. Shout out to your family that served. Um, I, I served a total of eight years. Um, made to the ranks of staff sergeant and been deployed several times. And I was deployed at 9-11. So um, a lot of stories, which I'm going to hold for the space I'm going to do for the veterans. But, um, yeah, I said that I've been... 10 weeks of basic training, then I went to like 13 or so weeks for um, individual training um, by my job. I was at Intel, a um, little bit of a nerd. My mind doesn't stop like um, thinking. <laughs> you know, I can't focus on one thing at a time. Um, it was it was hard for my family because at the time I was just seeing my brother and my mom. 
Um, we moved up from the Bronx, we moved up to um, Dutchess County, New York. Um, you know, and I left because after I graduated from St. Raymond's High School in the Bronx, honestly, there was nothing else to do. I was just going to be staying around the corner or working a bodega or, you know, because when we come from our neighborhood, you went away to college, that was a big thing. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times you hear somebody say, went to, someone such such went to college, the AKA went to jail, you know. So, um, but shout out to my family for being. That's what you say about my cousin, yo. You tell my nigga. Yo, it's it's so fucked up, but yeah, you know, I, I, I thought only my family did nah, that. Nah, man, it made the hood. It made the neighborhood today. What's up, man? And they're like, somebody about to tell the truth. Like, you like, shut up. You went to college. Like, how long are you in college for? You ain't in college. You ain't question shit no more. <laughs> um, I, I I learned a lot. I have my 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 grapes about the service. Again, I'll save it for a space, but I always respect those who served and had a better situation than I had. Um, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. I became a man. I think that's why people like myself, um, Dom, especially, I'm sure everybody else, but me and Dom, the biggest, when we, when we hear people say, you know, the kids, the kids, we feel a particular way. And maybe that's just our way of thinking, if I can speak for Dom a little bit. We don't want to hear that shit by some kids, some grown-ass fucking men. Men, you know what I'm saying? They're getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars, ten, tens of millions of dollars. They're in the league. They're playing on court. I understand their age, but when you, I went at, at 18, almost 19, I'm a grown-ass man. I think Billy kind of touched on it before already. I'm a grown-ass man shooting a gun, protecting this country. You know what I'm saying? Nobody gives a fuck if I'm a kid. If a bullet pierced in my chest, they ain't going to say, here lies this kid. They ain't going to say, here lies this man. So I know it's basketball, and it feels weird because we make excuses for these men, and we say they're kids. I don't know if it's just a me thing. So if you ever hear me get on that kind of tangent, please don't take it no kind of way. It just triggers because I see kids, you know, as I grew up in the military, serve with me, and sometimes a lot of them don't come back home. I can't talk about it. Dom knows where I come from the particular jobs that we had, but I see kids, carry kids' bodies. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't for my mom who one day I came home, and I get to my quickly take, came home. <clears throat> and, you know, I wanted to renew my, my contract. I was going to go to sniping school, but they said it was full. And then back then, around that time I was going to be out, they had the backdoor draft. I want to say between 2003 and 2004, they were doing a backdoor draft because my, two of my boys got affected by that. And um, it was like, you know, they said, Terrell, everybody called me Terrell for short. They said, we got a spot for you, but we got to be less than another three years. I said, nah, I'm good. So I was already done. I was out for the personal reasons. Um, but it took me to go home one day. My mom said, you didn't read my cabinets? I said, yeah, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it. I kept doing it. She's like, oh, shit, nigga. You're going to go to therapy. Because sometimes I'd be up in the middle of the night <clears throat> just sitting there up, but all the lights are out. And then, you know, shout out to my therapist at that time. Um, the VA in the Bronx, and um, that's what helped me with the foundation of my family, my um, therapy, countless therapy, so I got over where I need to get over it, but I never take for granted for those whose lives I took, because I think about that countless times every day. Um, I think about people who serve with me, people I still keep in contact with, and I think about people like um, Yad I know who served. Um, I know like this week is a rough week for my man Billy. So, you know, I keep in contact, everybody in the DMs and text messages. 
So that's one thing I feel like I could give back besides Dom, because I know Dom's always open door for vets. The vets could talk to. But um, same thing with, with me. So um, definitely time tomorrow when you're eating your burgers and hot dogs and stuff like that. Just take a moment for us, for those who um, continue to lose their lives, because we don't get the proper acknowledgement, the proper support for the U.S. government. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent. We just don't get the lack of respect. Don't believe all the time what you see in commercials, the the proud and all that. We t- we we're proud for the shit that we do, but they don't take care of us like that. They should. For those who try to help veterans in office type settings, shout out to Dom and other those other people who are doing that. So my quickly take, <clears throat> um, I agree with Top Punk. Whereas I'm not throwing nobody no bag off the one year performance. Yeah, Jake said that each year he got better. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old fighter that he, I need to see more. Because too much you see around the league lately, when people get, have a, a great year, they get the bag, then they dip off, or they get this attitude, sense of entitlement. Jordan right? Poole. They get this sense of entitlement. Now, that's something that you can't foresee when somebody getting a sense of entitlement. But one thing that um I want to say, Ryan Clark said about A.B., whereas everybody behind closed doors knew the type of person that A.B. is, but y'all still consider giving him a bag. When I gave him a bag, y'all created a monster. Now, I'm not saying that for quickly. All I'm saying is I'm not going to be so hard on him, but it's playoff um, uh, impact. But I know a lot of people in the Knicks fandom, don't really, they want somebody a bigger size. Um, I forgot who said it. It was, it was I want to say it was Jeremy. I think it was Jeremy when he was talking about that he's been lucky on the way he's been playing defense. Um, look, we we need we need tall people. I hate I, I hate I hate to be that type of guy, but we, I see we get killed a lot when we see the, the Jimmy Butlers and everybody else easily um, have their back against the hoop and go to the rack. That's half our fucking like guards. We need bigger wings. So my thing is this: you either could pay him and get rid of him now, or wait till next year. And yeah, we had to probably give him more of a bag, but by that time you can use him as a trade asset during the um during the midway point. But then again, that's just my opinion. Um, do I think quickly is a backup point guard? Nope. And I've been saying that shit since day one. And I think it's only probably like seven of us who've been saying this since day one. Is he an in-betweener? Kind of like a Lou Will in spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. But if that's the top point guard you guys want, to his own. I don't need my point guard jack up a thousand shots. I'm I'm happy that my, my point guard that we have now because we finally got a point guard. But I would like to have a backup floor general who's looking to pass first. Again, maybe just an old fuddy duddy, but that's just my stance on that. And um, and you old as fuck. Fuck okay. all that. So um, <laughs> and my southern take. Uh, I love Scarface. I love um three six mafia. Shout out to my cousin Darrell. He put me on the three six mafia. So what the fuck is this? One day we sitting in his uh, red blazer. He's a he went to school to Hampton. Shout out to Hampton U alums. Um, he said, "Bro, just listen to shit. I listen to that shit for a whole summer and for love for Three Six Mafia." But I love you, bro. I'm gonna continue to listen. I try to give a point here and there before we go into this town where it's country setting because I'm gonna spend some more money so we can eat. But shout out to everybody in this room. Yeah, just let me know if you need my cash app since you're in the mood to you know spend money. Now you could take our cash apps in. You know, I would appreciate it. Yo, where my that. sis at? What's our shit, man? She needs to spend some of your money. <laughs> <laughs> yo. Yo. You know Rel's getting, you know, getting VA checks, man. He goes, he goes, <laughs> don't be telling people why we do it, brother. <laughs> yo, I don't, I don't want to keep um, Dom waiting. I know he's got some some fire points. I know he's going to come with some, some, some passion right now. He's probably going to say some things that, you know, people don't want to hear but 
you know, of all days, of all weekends to hear what this guy has to say. You know, so I'm not going to, you know, be long-winded. I'm just going to key you up, get head down. The floor is yours. I know this, this is your wheelhouse. You got it. Can you guys hear me? Because I'm in my car, bully. Yeah, loud and clear. I, I, ironically, the day before Veterans Memorial Day, I actually had to take a vet to the emergency room. But that being said, I want to touch on a couple of quick things. When we talk about these kids and the John Morants, for you non-historians, and that's no shade. You might not have been born. You might not have studied it. The average age of a combat soldier in Vietnam was 19 years old. The average death of a combat soldier in Vietnam was 19 years old. So when we look at a person that's 23 years old and we want to constantly give them an alibi, that's on you. Trust me, that's totally on you. I come from a different walk of life, and I come from a different walk of life within the United States Army. So I look at things a little differently. We all know, and I keep saying it every year, the word happy does not come before Memorial Day. When you say happy birthday to somebody, that means they could respond with thank you. When you say happy Memorial Day, the people you're saying it to cannot respond. Memorial Day are for those that are gone, that, as we always say, gave the ultimate sacrifice. We need to keep that in the back of our heads. If you say it, that's fine. Just understand the gist of saying it. It's not a happy day, people. I'm not here to give you the somber look of Memorial Day. It is just not a happy day. I tell you, and I showed pictures every year. I go to Fort Bragg, my home, my home away from home in the military for what I did. And I look at the boots lined up. If y'all look at Bully's uh, thread, they have a boot display. At last count, I think there were 7,000 sets of boots. That's 7,000 soldiers that gave the ultimate sacrifice since 9-11. I go out there and I find a couple of my friends and I say hi to them. And I tell them they're still missed. See, but that's what Memorial Day means to me. I've heard some of the stories on this line. Everybody has a different take in the, of the military. Those that served, like Rels, and uh, I think his name is Rick that when you're pregnant, you couldn't get home. I, I, I understand. I feel that pain. I was there, been there, done that. I was in charge, and I had to make those decisions where somebody couldn't go because we do understand it's mission first. Those that joined the military and never thought they you dumb. You went on me, brother. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you, where, where did I move off, Billy? Can you hear me? Yeah, I gave you, dog. I leave off at. I'm sorry. You 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 left off on the part where you said uh, that you were in charge at one point. You understand that mission right, first. Yeah, about the right, family. Right. Thing. So that that, right. that always again for those that either join for whatever reason. I I understand why, but there is always that mission, and you train for war. It's that simple. You train you train for war in time of peace. So when you're in that position and you got to tell somebody, hey, you can't go home. Again, it's not one of those because it happened to me, I'm going to do it to you type shit. No, no, no. It's not like that at all. It's just part of the mission. And some of us on this line, especially I've I've spoken to Rels on numerous occasions. Me and Rels was probably in the same box a couple of times, which all don't know about the box. That's the box. That'd be Iraq, Afghanistan. They call that the box. So We've been there, done that. It's nothing to brag about. Trust me. I, again, I, I will not elaborate on what I did because I was in a certain portion of the Army. So, But to, to keep it simple, you know, there's always going to be that time, people, where you sit back and you think of what I could have, should have, wanted to do. 
those of us that did what we did, we, we did it for whatever reasons. I did it because I wanted to get out of the Bronx, New York. Did I ever think, was I one of those kids that played with G.I. Joes in the bathtub? No, not at all. Not one bit. I never thought for the life of me when I joined the Army on Westchester Square in the Bronx that I would do 22 years. Nope, wasn't in my, wasn't in my vernacular. But as fate would have it and as time went on and I started doing shit that I really liked doing, Hey, it helped me, my family, it gave me a career. It helped me program, as you, if you want to say, my retirement. I made a pact with myself and my wife that at the age of 47, we would no longer work no more. So that's a subject for another day that me and Rels have touched on when we talk about finances. But you, 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 do, you do the best you can in the military. I'm, I'm just here to tell you that, one, I spoke to bully uh, Rels, I don't know if Dabs is on the line, but I reached out to them when the VA reached out to me and said, hey, we want a knucklehead like you with a bunch of loose screws to come talk to some vets about PTSD. Shocking, humbling, blessed to have done it, to have accepted doing it. It's, you know, it's sort of like me giving back, folks. Everybody talks about giving back to their community. Well, this is my community, and I appreciate doing it. And I always say this, and I'm not going to get winded, that if there's any vet on here, or if there's a vet that you know that needs help, please, my my DM me. I will give you my phone number. I am not afraid to give out my phone number. I ain't running from no bill collectors. I'm here to help, and I always will help because that's a family, folks. For those of you that have been in the military, and whether you liked it or didn't like it, we understood that that's a bond that you may never get again. That is a true bond, whether you're in combat or not. It's a bond that can never be replaced, can never be duplicated. So if there's anybody on this line that needs any sort of help, if you're a vet, you know a vet, a vet that knows a vet, please reach out to me. I always say this. We don't want to see no stone go unturned. We don't want to see nobody get what's rightfully deserved. And that's that's how I've lived my life since I've retired. And I do it for free, people. I'm not getting paid for this. I just want to give back. So for those of y'all that remember, tomorrow is a very uh, somber day, if you could say that, but it's also a day of remembrance. It is not a happy day. Happy does not, will never, ever come before Memorial Day. Keep that in the back of your minds. Bully, Rels, you know I love you fellas. Keep up the great work. I'm going to drop down, listen for a while. Love you too. All right, guys. Thank you so much, fellas. Yo, another thing on, another thing on Memorial Day, man, like if you know any people that are still in the service, like, don't post the picture in your uniform talking about having Memorial Day. Because that shit used to irk my nerves, too, man. Like, it's Memorial Day. It's, yeah, that got my nerves, too, bro. bro like, you still, <laughs> not going to lie. It's not Veterans Day. It's Memorial Day. There's a difference. Yeah, yo, no doubt. And one thing that Dom said that, that really hit home was when he said, no, this is my community. And he used the word family as well. And, you know, being a kid, you know, I'm from I'm from Queens, I'm from Elmhurst. And when I got into the military, man, you know, my best friend had two cats, man. You know, one was, was this white kid from Alaska that grew up hunting moose and deer and elk. Somebody that I had zero in common with. And then my other best friend, he was this black guy, black kid named Brady from Melbourne, you know, Florida, middle of the country. And you, you you grow up in the military and you meet these people and it really doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter, you know, where they're from. 
you know, and Don mentioned, you know, mission first, you know, if you're out there with somebody, you're not even, you're not like those things are furthest from your mind because, you know, you got to depend on, you know, your brother or your sister to, you know, help get you through whatever you're going through. So that, that, that really resonated with me. And, um, it's a real quick pivot to somebody made a good point, or I think it was uh, Jake. You know, he was talking about um, Southern hip hop and the impact. And to be honest, you know, I'm going to say this part. Then we're going to let Top Bunk get into his baseball takes about the Mets. Then we get into the Yankees a little bit. And then some more hip hop. But with the Southern impact, man, like in the 90s, it was great. In the mid 90s, it was great. Late 90s, it was great. And I'll be honest, man, like when the early 2000s came here, I'm like, yo, what is this shit? Like this, like to me, like it didn't feel like hip hop because there's a lot of stuff that I saw on TV. You know, I wasn't a person that was digging in the crates for, you know, Southern rap at all. And I'm like, yo, little John Eastside boy is like, yo, what? Like, yo, what is this? And then for me, like Jeezy got on. And when I think it was like 05, he came out with, um, Thug motivation one on one. I was like, oh, th- this is this is Southern talk. I right, like I can I can get with this. So I always like, and then when you had like that shake that Laffy Taffy era era, like that was like to me, man. Like it was, it was part of the detriment of hip hop, like the commercial stuff, and like the, the Southern impact. You know, kind of help you know hip hop go pop, and that's something that I always struggle with. And for me, like some of the biggest, like for me, one of the best rappers from the South. This big crit. And it's like this dude can't get popping. He has bars, content, substance. Then you get some guys that come up with a little dance and it's just like, what is this? And like sometimes I wonder, am I just like the old guy on the block that doesn't like any of the new stuff? Or is this stuff really good? Because the Southern sound is running hip hop right now, and whether you like it or not. And then I'm going to give this, this quick uh, take with, with the Yankees and, and the Mets. And then I want Top Bunk to, you know, jump in so he can maybe educate me, educate a little bit of us on what's going on. Like with these Yankees, man, I'm just I'm just kind of over it, you know. I'm over the, the Brian Cashman, you know, the Aaron Boone era, even though they, they've, they've come on of late as of strong. But it's like I feel like I've seen this story before, and I'm, you know, was waiting and waiting and waiting for this Volpe kid to come up. And it's like I know he's a kid, but he's hitting 200. And yes, I I believe in his talent. I believe he's going to be good. But it's like, we kind of need it now. And, you know, we passed up on all these guys, you know, Machado, Harper, Seager. You know, we could have traded for uh, Francisco. So it's like, man, we passed up on this. And I look at where we are now and we have Aaron Judge. You know, it's like doing a disservice to him. Like, as Knicks fans, we say, yo, build around or build with, you know, Brunson. Get him some help. And I'm looking at Aaron Judge the same way. This guy put the team on his back the entire year last year. And it's like, get this guy some help. You gave him the monster contract. You gave Garrett Cole a monster contract. You got Domingo Herman out here cheating. And then I look over at the, the Crosstown rivals. And I'm like, man, Mets fans have been miserable since the season has started. And I hate Mets fans. And... Um, quick story, you know, I'm a real Yankees fan. You know, I got to see Dave Winfield hit a home run to right field, you know, at Old Timers Day. You know, I got to see that. You know, I got to see Mickey Rivers come out there for Old Timers Day. You know, I, I grew up sitting in Section 39, the Bleacher Creatures, the Yankee at the old Yankee Stadium. And if you know 
That's you know a ball, Vinny, Tina, Sheriff Tom, Milton the Cowbell man. Like I, I was out there. I, that's that's where my my Yankee fandom comes from. And I used to hate the Subway Series. I used to hate the Subway Series because, you know, if if the Yankees are playing Cleveland on a Saturday, you know the Indians fans at the time they were called the Indians. You know they would come in and we would punk them and they would leave the game early. But when the Mets fans came in. They stood there ten toes down talking shit right back to us. And I, I remember, you know, John Orwood used to kill us. Benny Agbayani never had a diet, used to kill us. Piazza with his bombs to, you know, deep center used to kill us. Al Leiter used to put up numbers on us. And it's like I really hated that Mets team. And, like, there was nothing but respect for them. But I just – I hated their fans. I hated them. And, then, you know, that 2000 World Series, you know, when Jeter hit that home run – you know, I was like, welcome to the show. You know, welcome to the show. This is what it's about. And then, you know, Mets fans, you know, they get a little bit of relevancy. And, you know, or 14, 15, they go to the World Series, you know, against the Royals, all that stuff. And I was praying to God that they didn't win those rings. I was praying to God that they didn't win those rings. And I look at where the Mets are. I look at the NL East, and I'm like, do they have enough? And I look at the Yankees, you know, playing in the toughest division in baseball and they're just looking at like the record stuff and like, well if they were in this division if they were in that division and it's like every year you know we got to compete with the rays the pesky rays and then the, the red Sox, you know and then baltimore i can't wait for them to come down there's no way you know they were like 31 18 that, that's not sustainable for them but yo um oh damn my fault big money you dropped down i was about to get to you but yo, yo top bell rick anything y'all got Yo, if you want to know the state of the Mets, all you got to do is reference Nick's Twitter last year. It's it's literally a spitting image. It's play the kid and fire Buck Showalter. Just like last year, it was you know, play the kid yep. fire Tim, And yo, real That's quick. Like, yo, yo, Mo didn't go yet. Yo, real, real quick, we had um Robert waiting. Um, so what we going to do, what we going to do, what we going to do, Robert, Um, get your takes off Southern Hip Hop, um, the IQ extension, Yankees, Mets, and then we're going to kick it back to, to Top Bunk and Rick. They're going to have their monologue on what they think is going on. Then we're going to go to Jay from Florida. Robert, was good? What's good? Shout out to all the veterans, veteran wives, veteran grandparents. I am one of them. I'm raising grandkids because my son-in-law is still a vet. So shout out to everybody. And in memory of those who are not here with us. Uh, as far as the Knicks, it's like a, a lot of pieces, but the pieces don't fit. And that's the issue we have. We have a small guard that's our best player. In order to maximize him, you need bigger guys, catch and shoot guys. And so to me, if quickly has value, then let's move him and get something that you can get for him. He's runner-up for the sixth man of the year. So that's the way I see it. I, I like quickly. I like Obi, but these are a lot of pieces that don't fit in the puzzle. And so that's on that. So I'm going to age myself here because I'm going to talk about the Yankees Mets when it used to be called the Mayor's Trophy game. And I, <laughs> and I hated the Mets and I still can't stand them. And then all of a sudden in the 
late 80s they became all of a sudden a team to watch and they had they had players you know doc strawberry whatever my ex-wife she was a crazy Mets fan and oh my god that's I'm not saying that's why she's an ex but that could be part of it I don't know as far as southern rap goes I'm really old so I started listening to southern rap with Luke Skywalker before he was Uncle Luke and it was funny and that's what made me enjoy it and then from there it was Luda T.I. and all the mothers that was it was more club music and from there it moved on that was the influence that got me to listen to that anyway thank you Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one. Thanks for you. Let Yo, me on. Hey, hey, Robert, if you don't mind me asking, where, where are you from? Originally from Brooklyn, but I went to Miami and came halfway back, was in North Carolina, but I'm up and down the East Coast. Okay, I, I was going to ask, you know, with Luke, were you listening to him when you were up north in Brooklyn or did you get into him when you were down there in Florida? Oh, down in Florida. That was when, you know, the 90s base Miami thing. And then then it went, you know, that that style, that, you know, that dirty South rap style came into popularity. And then it just came up, you know, back up to New York. Yeah, no doubt. Yo, Top Bunk and Rick, you guys got any thoughts on, on the Yanks and Mets at all? I know you got some bunk. Yeah, man, like, honestly, I'm in a weird spot because, like, so my pops is an immigrant, you know what I'm saying? So, like, man, he he just rooted for every New York team, no matter who it was. He rooted, he used to, we used to go to Yankees games, we would go to Mets games, you know what I'm saying? He was a Giants fan and a Jets fan, so I kind of, I was kind of raised like that. But I, I chose the Mets because, like, after going to Yankees games, like, the fans are kind of annoying, you know what I'm saying? So, but I don't root against the Yankees. Oh. Like, I don't I don't root against them. Like if they playing, you know what I'm saying, the World Series, you know what I'm saying? That's whatever. I don't root against New York. But like I'm a Mets fan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you didn't you didn't want to root for a loser. I get it. I, nah, I'm not nah, gonna nah, be I was, I wasn't you for that. Like that. My pops my pops my pops was an immigrant. He didn't know that you had to pick a side, you know what I'm saying? So we would go to like mad Knicks, uh, mad Mets games, mad Yankees games and shit like that. He would get cheap tickets because he worked at the post office over there at Woodside. So like you know, so we we went to more Mets games than anything else. But like we always he always rooted for the Yankees too, man. So I didn't know any better. It wasn't until after like I I got older and I was like I, I gotta pick a squad. And then I went to like Yankees game and like I noticed how corporate how the crowd is. You know what I'm saying? Like a bunch of Wall Street cats and like they kind nah, of nah, man. Like, see, you you probably had good seats. That's what happened. You had good seats. Yeah, I did. Yeah, come come out there in the bleachers, bro. Yeah, I was in the bleachers, bro. When it was ten dollars a ticket. To get into the bleachers now, those same seats is, is like a hundred and something dollars to get in there. But yo, for me, man, yo, I was brought up, you know, like growing up, yo, the Mets, you never root for them. Like they're they're public enemy uh, number two when it comes to baseball. You know, people would say like, why? Like they're not even rivals. They didn't really play each other. For me, it was more so about the rivalry with the fans. And I remember coming up, you know, where I had to go to bed early for school. I wake up in the morning. And I want to see who won the game. So I would always go, you know, get the daily news and read the box scores. If on the back page it was a like a Mets highlight or a Mets picture there or whatever, 
I wouldn't even buy it. I would just not know what happened with that game. I couldn't stand anything about the Nets, man. Yo, Bunk, what up? Yeah, yo. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always dope to hear, you know, the, the older the old, uh, older people that were able to see the Mets uh, before my time. Obviously, I, I uh, never never got to witness them, you know, win a World Series. They won a World Series in 86. Um, and if you watch the documentaries, uh, Once Upon a Time in Queens, they basically digest that entire team, you know, the history behind it, what they went through in the season. And, you know, I, I, I love watching that shit. I mean, I'm from Queens myself. I grew up in uh, College Point, um, College Point, New York. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, fully, I'm right there with you. I know, I know exactly where Elmas is at. <laughs> I got people around there as well. Um, so I've, I've always, you know, been around around the Mets and, and you know, just grew up a diehard Mets fan. You know, to this day, I got the season package. I'm always there. If you guys haven't checked my tweets by now, uh, you basically see it. Um I think with 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 the with the team now, I mean, if, you know, we'll go to the Yankees first because obviously there's 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 certain Yankee fans in here. I think you have Brian Cashman that's really not being aggressive like like he needed to when they first signed Judge. I mean, he's not dead. You know, he's not. He's not his dad. Well, you talking about you talking about the the son. You talking about yeah, the Steinbrenner now the son. He's not his dad, and you would think with the money that he has. And with the move that he made of aggressively getting Garrett Cole, um, signing Judge and making him the captain, that you would want to be aggressive in the offseason and get certain guys or, or get certain guys in the trade trade deadline last year. And they didn't make no no moves whatsoever. I mean, you look at the you look at the Yankees, uh, their recent playoff uh, playoff stunts. There there were always one team to stop them. If it wasn't Tampa, it was Houston. I mean, this is all. This all goes back to to 2015. 2015, y'all made the wild card, but who who beat you guys in the wild card? Yo, Houston. that game. Yo, that game was one to nothing. The Yankees were being no hit until like the seventh or eighth inning, and Greg Bird got a single to right field. Um, for that game, Houston had um the guy with the beard. Um, that was like his coming out party against us in that wild card game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, then. You go to 2016, 2016, um, they, they didn't really have a successful playoff. Then 2017, you guys make you guys make it to the American League Championship Series. You, lo- you, you lose to the Astros. But then they find out in 20, 2020 that the Astros cheated. You know, 2018, you guys got stopped by Boston. You know, <laughs> 2019, Houston again, 2020, Tampa. So there was always one team that was ju- a little bit just better, just better than you that was that – stopped you guys from making that world serious and it's it's you would think that because of that and because of the team that was put around you know you would make some type of aggressive move to just keep adding to it now you're looking at this yankee team where it's like you know they're having a little bit of a success but is that success attainable to make the playoffs this year you know, everybody's having conversations about are the Yankees going to actually continue their playoff streak and make the playoffs? And, you know, they brought up Volpe simply because IKF couldn't handle the, couldn't handle the job. He was he was never being consistent. And, you know, they brought up Volpe. Volpe's actually doing pretty solid, even though he has a 200 a below 200 average. Um, he's again, he's pretty solid as a defender. He's hitting the ball better than he was when he, when he first came up. Um 
And, you know, they got rid of bum-ass Aaron Hicks, and I call him a bum. Yeah, they finally DFA'd him, man. Took he's, him long a, he's fucking trash. And I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even a Yankee fan, but I think it's disheartening hey, bro, to the game. Like, yo, like, real, real quick, right? So, like, mm-hmm. Knicks fans, right? Like, it, it's so crazy the parallels between the Knicks and the Yankees and how different the fan base, like, reacts to everything. Mm-hmm. So, I know you're not a Yankees fan, but I remember last year, Aaron Hicks literally got booed off the field. He got booed so bad that his coach, Aaron Boone, said, look, I heard the crowd. It was getting to him, and I couldn't leave him out there because it was impacting the team. Like the co- That was the coach's words. That wasn't a, a fan narrative. The coach said the crowd was getting to him, had to take him out. And then he got benched from, from that point on for the rest of the season. Um, and then, like you mentioned, like we went to the ALCS in 2017. And then from there on, we've been getting our asses kicked, you know, by the same two teams. And I'm like, yo, imagine if Knicks fans were Yankees fans that were, like, really in tune to what's been going on. People would – it would be over. Like, the way that Knicks fans get so upset for what we're doing, I'm looking at what the Yankees did, and I'm like, man, like – if anyone in New York sports, anyone in New York sports should really be on the hot seat like that, it should be those guys over in the Bronx. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, man. I think do the comparison with with uh with with the Yankees and the Knicks. I think Knicks fans got to relax a little bit because at the end of the day, you got to see the consistency first. You know, who's to say that next season we don't even make the fucking playoffs? We go through a drought where we don't even make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I think Nick fans, they, they, you got to see some consistency first before you start trying to, to start, you know, criticizing certain, certain guys or, or, or certain, you know, the front office. Yeah, I understand we don't want tips, but you know what? What can this front? This is why I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. This is why. What's more important to me? I, I didn't care what we did in the playoffs. What's more important to me is is what is Leon Rose going to do to build off this playoff success? Whether we make a first round and we and we get through the first round, whether we get eliminated in the first round or go to the second round and get eliminated in the second round, shit, even if we would have made the Eastern Conference Finals, at the end of the day, now that you achieve the goal of making the playoffs, what are you going to do in the offseason to build off that success? That was my main thing. Everybody was talking about, oh, we got to put Brunson with it. We got to build around Brunson. We got to, you know, get rid of Julius Randle. Right now, y'all shouldn't care about that. Why? Because we're just giving opinions out here. We're giving takes. We don't know what this front office is going to do. We don't know what this front office is going to put their foot down. Do we know if this front office is going to put their foot down and be like, yeah, we got to get rid of Julius Randle? We know they're not going to do that. But at the end of the day, they haven't made a move yet. We got to see what type of moves that they're going to make so we can go ahead and evaluate the predictions of this season. If they do add somebody like Jalen Brown, for example, then we can, you know, we can evaluate our predictions on the season. If they add a Towns, you know what I'm saying? You got to see where's the aggressiveness based on this front, this front office, you know, based on the, on the, on the recent playoff success. So I think it's the same, the same thing with the Yankees. The Yankees have consistently made the playoffs, you know, time and time again. It's not enough, bro. It's like, not enough. You got yes, you got to build enough. off that. And now you're looking at this team where it's like, yo, I just signed my best player to uh to a 10-year, $360 million contract, and I made him the captain, and I didn't put enough pieces around him 
to to take this team to to, to possibly another playoff run and and get them that twenty eight championship. I, I I don't feel like they did that. Um, I think Cashman is in is in his own head. I think Steinbrenner is in his own head because he thinks that he is like his father when he's not. You know, everybody was making fun of the Mets. Oh, you know, spending doesn't spending doesn't uh doesn't win new championships. I mean, but it wasn't like that for the for the nineties and eighties when when Steinbrenner was 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 wait a minute, guys. wait wait a minute, wait like, a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. See, see, you, you my guy, but not, not, now you're about to get cooked. Now, now you're about to get cooked. I'm going to cook. I'm going to flame you up, put my apron on real quick. Then we're going to go to Jay. Then we're going to go back to you so you can rebuttal, you know, what you're about to get fed. Pause. Yo, if you look at that team, like, let's talk about the late 90s. I can give you the starting line. I can give you the the roster, bro. Did the Yankees buy Tino Martinez? Yes, they they got him as a free agent uh, from Seattle. Yankees did not buy Bernie Williams. Yankees did not buy Jorge Posada. Yankees did not buy Andy Pettit. Yankees did Talk not buy him. Mariano Rivera. Yankees did not buy Joe Girardi. Yankees, eh, they, they kind of bought El Duque, but that was because he defected. So please, save me save me on that. So wh- who did we buy in the late 90s? Now, if you want to go to the 2000s team, when what they did uh, midseason, because we were like a 500 team, they went out and got Glenn Allen Hill, who was a bum who carried the team in the second half of the season. Then they went out and traded for David Justice, who had a big, huge, huge. And if you go back to 2000s in those playoffs, who were the heroes? It was Shane Spencer. Shane Spencer. Ricky Lede. We had Velarde on that team at third base. So don't don't come at me with that. We used to buy people, not, not during the ring years. Now, the 09 team, then you can make that argument saying that we, you know, we were out there buying. So, yo, you my, you my guy and all, anybody could get flamed up. So while, while you cook on your rebuttal. I think yo, the problem is up. the manager, bro. I think it's the manager. If you look at the way the Yankees play, it's, it's either feast or famine with the home runs. And that shit don't translate into the playoffs. There's a lot of analytics. I think the Yankees have one of the biggest analytics departments in the major leagues, man. So, like, and they got – I don't think Aaron Boone – Aaron Boone wasn't brought up that way, so I don't know why he's managing that way. In my opinion, I think they need a new manager, you know what I'm saying, and so they can manufacture a little bit more runs, man, because in the playoffs, it happens every year. Every year they go into the playoffs. It's, it's, like, that, it's like that with all the coaches. Now, now, that they got tech, now that they got technology and they got these iPads, they're looking at these iPads – for the analytics based on what pitch is coming in and, and, and who they should, what batter they should put up on the pitcher or who's batting and what batter they should, you know, it's all, it's all analytics. But it's crazy because they've been getting their ass whooped by Houston. Houston, yeah, Houston it, it, does a good job of manufacturing runs like that. You know but they're saying? also they one of the out. biggest analytic teams in baseball as well. Exactly. They, exactly. they just use them better healthy, than us. It's a healthy mix. Yeah. It's a healthy mix of like small ball and analytics. And like, I feel like the Yankees have dived all the way into analytics and did a feast of famine. In the playoffs, you see how that shit worked out. Yeah, and like yeah, you said, yo, Rick, Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone's not like that, so it's weird that he's like that he's doing that. Yeah, let's go to um, because we we, we got to pick this conversation back up. But I don't, I don't want to keep Jay waiting. And Robert, I see you got your hand up. So first, we could do we're gonna go to Jay. Yo, if you can, um, I think you know the topics. You know, impact the Southern hip. I think you could be a good person to to talk about that. You know, you being in Florida for a while, and then you know your take on the IQ extension. Any Yanks Mets or Memorial Day takes you got, the floor is yours. The biggest. Peace. Peace to the room. Biggest on the planet. Do y'all hear me? 
Am, am I loud and clear? 4K. Yeah. Yo, um, Southern Hip Hop, bro. You know, I've been in Florida for a long time. And, you know, me and the homies was, was big 3-6 Mafia fans, man. And, you know, the bars ain't always there with 3-6. But the production ushered in this new era of hip hop, man. So shout out to Juicy and, and, and Paul and, and them dudes what they was doing. Uh, in New York, when I was a kid, Cash Money was big in New York, bro. I remember buying the big timers. Tapes. Yeah, bro, Cash Money. Hot, I remember buying a Hot Boys tape in like 98, bro. So Cash yeah, Money was big in New York when he was coming up. Um, I think Future, I think, you know, Future ain't got most, most bars, but Future's like a modern day Teddy P or a modern day Al Green, bro. His, his vocals is, is crazy, bro. And his, his talent is, is unmatched. So I'm a Future fan, man. Future, Future's doing his thing when he does his battles and his singing. And he's just a really creative cat. Wayne, same thing. Uh, I, I love Pimp C, you know what I'm saying? Three Stacks, uh, Bond. You know, a lot of cats in the South was, was doing their thing, man, in the 90s and the 2000s, bro. I agree with the whole Laffy Taffy area. I wasn't fucking with that, but I just like that streak, that trap shit, man. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I like, uh, you know what I'm saying, all the real trappers in Atlanta, man. What, wasn't it? Bankroll Fresh was one of my favorites a couple years ago, man, because you could just hear, hear the authenticity in his rhyme, bro. You know what I'm saying? So... The South is the South got a place in my heart, man. I'm 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 from the South pretty much. You know what I'm saying? I'm from New York, but I'm from the South at the same time. So I love Southern hip hop, bro. Southern hip hop is always there for me. Uh in terms of the IQ situation, man, uh, you know how I feel about IQ, man. And me and Ari was arguing about that shit last night in text. He was like, Man, you gotta stop getting on IQ. I said, Man, listen, bro, I don't like I don't like the showboating in Boston in March and, and then when time when we really need you, you don't show up like Next year, calm that shit down, bro. Like, just play your game. Be IQ. Be a professional. No dancing. No swimming on the hardwood and fucking jigging and shaking your ass on the court. Do your shit. Go to the sideline and just be IQ, man. The showboating shit gave me a bad taste in my mouth, bro. Because I was like, this kid, if we had this kid against Miami show up, we'd probably win that series, man. It's, it's, it's simple as 17, 18 points, knocking down shots off the bench being able to play good defense. I know he got hurt, but he ain't show up until game four of the Heat series. Like, come on, bro. I, I expect a better IQ, man. So, you know, they, they should probably pay him, but, you know, I would temper that. I wouldn't pay $175 million in bench praise. That shit is crazy. Like, no no relevant NBA team is paying 175 between Harden and IQ for bench plays, right? You got to allocate that money better. You got to go find a starter. That you can give that money to, or give a little bit more money to. You hey, gotta yo, work let, your books better than that. Hey yo, let me ask you because, like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you from the sense of the books. Right. Like that that that's really the the over that's the, really the problem, is when you got all these other guys at a hundred million, or you're gonna have you know hard at you know sixty to eighty. Like right. that's that's where the problem is. So would you feel better if we didn't have all those one hundred million contracts already, and IQ was the first hundred million contract? Yeah, bro, because everybody can't get paid, man. I understand the Knicks is the family, bro, but everybody, we can't have multi, you can't lock this, 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 this allocation of the Knicks as your team moving forward. Because you ain't going to be able to beat Boston. You you see the talent coming through for Boston in this series now. The talent is shining. Jalen Jalen Brown was yeah, catching up rebounds last night. Yeah, so the talent, the talent is starting to beat up on Miami. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be able to compete with these cats, man. You can't lock into a, a mediocre team for the next five, six years and, and then turn around and tell me you want to compete for a championship. That just doesn't make sense. Like, you can't pay those guys 175 It just won't work out. 
in terms of the actual star trade, you know what I'm saying? Me and you bully talk about this all the time. And, and how I feel about the star trade, I think the Knicks is limited to a rebuilder, right? I don't think we could trade for a Carl Anthony Towns or Paul George, or, you know what I'm saying? A team that's going to want to retool and not actually rebuild. The Jazz trade was got motion last year because we had a team that, that actively wanted draft picks to, to go ahead and hit the reset button and rebuild. But in a situation where a lot of stars this year, you know what I'm saying, the Clippers are going to want somebody to open up that new building in L.A. in 2025. I think Minnesota's going to want somebody to pair with Anthony Edwards and Gobert moving forward that can do some things. I, I don't. I think they could find a better package than Randall. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Boston. Boston's going to want somebody to pair with Tatum to, to usher them into a new era. Is that Randall? Is that RJ? Like, I, I think Boston could find a better trade as well. So, the Knicks got a lot of work to do, man. They, they got to find somebody they can trade for. Hopefully, Philadelphia just decides to tear it down and they can offer some picks and get Embiid involved. Um, but it, it's going to be tough sledding to find that superstar to kind of put on this roster with Brunson and, and really compete, man. They got a lot of decisions to make. Not only you got to pay IQ this summer or next summer, you got to play hard. Then you got my man QG coming out. You going to let QG walk? You you telling me QG is, is irreplaceable, untouchable, you gonna pay QG another hundred million once he has a good season next year? Like, what you going to do? How you gonna get off this money if you need to? If QG got to get paid, if you if you see something in Obi this summer where he got to get paid a couple of dollars, like how's everybody gonna get paid? You, it can't be like that. So you you got to consolidate the roster. You know what I'm saying you you got to put yourself in position to go ahead and get a star, get get somebody to slide into that starting lineup because you can't have a hundred million dollar uh, bench plays on the bench all day. You got to go get a wing, right? You got to go get somebody to knock down a shot, open shot when it's time. You got to get a defender. You just, you just have to fill out different parts of the roster that need stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, Leon, he got a lot of work to do, man. I'm not a huge Leon fan, as as y'all know, but I can't I, I can't get with anybody that, that just wants to employ Tom Thibodeau after watching the playoffs and seeing the strategy and, and just the different the different uh, offensive sets and defensive sets these guys are putting in and the coaches that are getting hired, the Asia and Griffins that are going to Milwaukee that, that spent a lot of time in Toronto. I'm saying, you know, like it's Ty Lue in LA. You got some really creative cats on on the coaching front right now. So, Leon Rose got to question his his alliance to Tom Thibodeau and figure out if this is really necessary. Um, as far as the Yanks, man, I grew up a, a, a huge Yankee fan, bro. I'm from the Bronx, so I grew up on White Plains Road in 216, the Bronx, and then I moved to Riverdale, which is close to the Yankee Stadium. You know, my grandfather's from Jamaica, so he used to say Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter. So he used to love Jeter, man. We used to go to the games and shit. And, yeah, he sound, he sound like um, was it Bob Shepard, the OPA announcer? Yeah, yeah, Derek yeah, Jeter. Yeah. yeah, he said Derek Jeter, Jeter. So you know he used to love Jeter, man. And um, you know we was big Yankee fans coming up, man. And, and Yankees are so dominant in the nineties. You had to love him, man. The new iteration of the Yankees from two thousand what eleven ten on, bro, hasn't been good. You know, I, I don't I don't believe in Hank. I think Hank is is a shell of his pops. I think he's cheap. You know what I'm saying? I also think Leon Rose is cheap, and you can't you can't be cheap in New York City, man. You got to spend that bread, bro. You got to take risks. You know what I'm saying? You got to take risks to win championships. So hopefully they can figure this shit out, man. Um, if, if they're not going to do it the big-time way, do it the Rays way. You know, I live in Tampa with the Rays, and the Rays always seem to fucking rebuild on the fly and really pour into the into 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 uh, minor league. So, hey, yo. Yeah. yo. Yo, when I used to live down there, bro, Mm-hmm. I used to go to like a ton of Rays games. It's and, cheap. Yo, I'm sitting like yo, <laughs> I'm sitting third baseline, first row, yeah, for yeah, like two hundred dollars, and I'm like, yo, you got to be kidding me! Yeah, and like, yeah, there's yeah. like nobody there, so I'm like, yo, they're not really getting any like money from like merchandise, 
like from the gate. And I'm like, yo, how are they financing? How are they doing this? And I'm like, they, they can't nobody. be that many people watching on TV. But every year, yeah, they just put out something consistent every single year. Yeah, they do their thing, man. They do their thing, man. And they don't pay nobody. They got a good farm system. I got to see some progress in the Knicks, y'all, man. I got to see them. And the new, we even talk about the new goddamn CBA with, with the Iron Curtain. So, you know, it's time for them to make it happen, bro. This is the summer that the trade needs to happen. You're going to go get a guy, go get a guy. I, I'll always believe they should trade for Donovan Mitchell. Based on the forecast this year, based on the rebuilding situation in Utah, based on the price of, of what Donovan Mitchell was costing, if you're going to trade a QG and kept RJ, you trade his ass to Utah and get that superstar in the building. Because the superstars win fucking playoff series. I don't give a fuck. If, you can look at it all across the board. If you ain't got a real NBA superstar, you are not advancing the playoffs. You need help. Brunson needs help, bro. They should have made that goddamn trade. Looking back at it, y'all see this summer, if they go trade for Cat for the same price, I trade for I trade for Mitchell, bro, and, and take my chances with him. Yo, y'all have a good Sunday, man. Bully, you already know what it is. My brother, Lefty, Crazy Ass, Rick, Top, Smover, OG Rob, my brother, B, Nick's Die, Rule, Pastor. Yeah. Yeah, everybody in the building. Niche. Peace to everybody, man. Hey, yo. Um, so we're we going to wrap soon. So I'm going to let um, Top Bunk. Um, I see, Robert, you got your hand up. Um, but, yo, Bunk, yo, give me your thoughts on, you know, the Vogel back here. People want to DFA him. I see you got this guy in the minors, um, Ryan Mauricio or something like that. You got this crazy streak going. Give me a thought about Alonzo. Do you think um, your guy can get the 60 home runs this year? Um, give, give me a take real, real quick, and I know you got to bounce. Yeah. Um, Vogelback got to fucking go. Vogelback is trash. Um, the guy has served no fucking purpose since we traded him last. Uh, traded for him last year. The guy that we traded for him last year and called her Ho- Colin Holderman is actually playing like his fucking mind. And obviously, you see three relievers that the Mets fucking have are playing like shit, and he could have been useful. But instead, they want to fucking Billy Epler, who surprisingly was part of the Angels fucking front office and did nothing for the fucking Angels besides you know get Otani. Uh, fucking took his talents to New- to New York, took his talents to Queens, and did not fucking help. I don't, I don't know. I didn't understand that at all. Um, made that stupid trade, and Vogelback hasn't been the DH, the productive DH that uh that you know he needed to be. Um, as far as Alonzo, I think he could get the sixty home runs. But I, I'm just not as a Met fan. You know, I, I I would celebrate it, but I'm not focused on that. What's what's more important to me when it comes to Alonzo is making sure that he gets his money. Um, he's, he's been deserved the, his contract. I think he's going to get 30 mil a year. Um, and I, I think, I think Cohen, I think Cohen's going to give it to him. Uh, I, I just, you know, you talk about the Mets having a history of not signing their homegrown players. Um, and we could go through a lot of them. Uh, you know, I think he's the perfect homegrown player that they, that he, they need to sign. I mean, Brandon Nimmo was a homegrown player, but when, with Brandon Nimmo, they didn't have a choice. They needed to. They needed a center. They needed to keep their center fielder. Um, a lot of my fans didn't like. You know, they didn't like that signing, but they they understood Brandon Nimmo and understood the position that we were in to get him. So that was like the only homegrown player that we like religiously signed uh, and and kept. But Alonzo is one of the guys that's been productive every year. You need to. You know, you need to extend him. Um, and 
you know, just overall, they they need to they need to get better relievers. Um, they they need to beef up their start their their, their end of their starting rotation. Um, because you can't you can't do it with the certain guys that we have now. Like Tyler McGill is inconsistent. Carlos Carrasco, you don't know what the hell you're gonna get from him. Uh, you don't even know what you're gonna get from the lefty Jose Quintana. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to see what happens. Um, as far as like down down the line, I, I think we're gonna make the playoffs. I just I, I just think you know it has to start with consistency. You know the offense has to be there too consistently every night. Um, and yeah, I you know every, everybody's panicking. You know they want Buck fired, but I, I think it's still too early to panic. I mean same thing with the Yankees. Even though like I said, the conversation around the Yankees is are they actually gonna make the playoffs this year? But I think it's consistency. If you guys can get consistency out of your guys, out of your starting pitching. Um, I know Sevy looked great yesterday. I was watching the game yesterday. You guys won in in the tenth inning on a walk off. Um, so I think it's just consistency and and making sure that you you know you that if you're not gonna bring up certain guys, uh, go out there in the trade deadline, trade for some relievers, um, and and just try to be sustainable as you can uh, for the playoffs. Um, as far as Ronnie Mauricio, like you said, Ron, Ronnie's been cooking. Ronnie's been uh, 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 he's been killing. There's there's a rumor that he might be up here for the Philly series coming up uh, uh next week. Uh, shout out to my guy uh, uh Chris from Orlando. He has a source uh that kind of uh, gave him the inside uh, details on possibly that might be happening. So he might you might see him up here, and um I think it's I think it's uh well overdue as far as you know just letting the kids play like like the Knicks do, and and you've seen a big a big turnaround in this team with all, all the kids playing together. Um, and, you know, it wasn't one of those things where, like, you know, just bring them up here and see what see what the – no, they we, we knew what they could do. And once they came up here, they, they got hot uh, right away. You know, Francisco Alvarez is one of the main guys as part of it. And you see he's been hitting the ball like a machine. So he's been proving to, that, that he's worth staying here and, and that, uh, that they made the right choice bringing him up here. So I, I just think for both New York teams um, right now, uh, I think it's just consistency and making sure that that everything just flows well. Like like I said, it's early, you know. You, you still you still have another half season to go, so I I think everybody trying to make judgments already about where the team is gonna go and you know standings and all that. If I were you know anybody in here that watches baseball and and that you know watches their team, don't look at the standings until July. When you get to July, then you start looking at the standings because by July. You already you can already determine if your team is going to be either making a wild card, making the division, or not making the playoffs at all. So everybody that keeps making judgments on your teams, it's it's too early to do that. Stop looking at the standings. Just worry about the games that are put in front of you and the teams that you have to beat. But yo, bully, I appreciate you, bro. Same with Rick. Appreciate everybody up in here, man. I appreciate you letting me co-host. The first time I'm co-hosting with Bully, man. I I would love to do this again, bro. I appreciate you holding the space. I appreciate everybody. If y'all haven't, please I, I give everybody a follow. Please follow me back, Top Bunk Sports. I post highlights. So if y'all ever need to, you know, look at daily highlights and daily information, I got y'all with that. But I I appreciate you, Bully, all the way. Yeah, no doubt, man. Whenever you want to come on, yo, just shoot me the DM, man. I'm usually here just chilling. But um, real quick, I just want to lay my Bully, who we going to get this summer, man? What's the prediction? We got to ask you questions. Who we getting this summer, man? What's I, I got to DM, DM you that one. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
what we gonna do next week, yo? Because we got some ladies in here that always come in here on Sundays, and you know, I want to give them their just due. So next week, we can be talking about the WNBA. We can be talking about the Liberty. We can be talking about the Suns. You know, I want to get into the Phoenix Mercury as well. So you know, we are gonna get into some WNBA talk. I know it's, it's niche, but at the end of the day, ball is ball, regardless of the gender that's playing it. So or however they say it now, but regardless of who's playing the basketball is basketball. So I do want to get into the WNBA. I want to get into, you know, the current game. Some of who are my favorites of all time were, you know, female players. But, um, hey, yo, Rick, I'm going to let you take us home. What's going on? Yo, yo, first of all, appreciate your bully, man. It's my second time co-hosting, man. You know what I'm saying? I fuck with you. I fuck with the space, man. Um, hopefully in, in the future, man, I can and continue I see you, to do it. Hopefully I can continue to do it, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I'll be, uh, when I go back to the Middle East and shit, man, sometimes I'll be, I'll be MIA. But sometimes I can do spaces in the morning. Sometimes I can do spaces in the evening, man. So uh, I, I, I keep you updated on that shit, though. But, you know, yeah, so no shout, to, um, shout to all the vets out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Peace to the fallen. I know a lot of y'all, like, it might not seem like it, but there's still people out there right now um, in harm's way, man. Like, I just left Iraq, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Every couple of days you get, you know what I'm saying? You got elevated elevated threat postures where you got to put on, like, helmets and, and flag jackets and all that shit, man. So, it's still, it's, it's still dangerous out there. There's still soldiers out there, you know what I mean? In harm's way, man. So, shout out to them. I work with them every day, hand-to-hand, man. Um, good peoples, man. You know what I'm saying? It's unfortunate that patriot, patriotism has been co-opted, you know what I'm saying, the way it has been, man. So I'm not... They turned it into nationalism, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm not feeling that. So it don't hit... It hits different when people be like, yo, child, salute, salute to you and your service. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I, I'm, I'm down here in Florida now. I'm in Jacksonville. And I can see, like, the way people look at me differently. Like, when you know, when I'm by myself and I'm, like, dressed regular or when I go to Home Depot with my, like, you know, Afghanistan shirt. You know what I'm saying? That's when people show me love. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's kind of crazy, man, but it is what it is, man. But, yo, shout to you, man. As always, it's Fire Tips, Trey Randall. You know what I mean? I wouldn't pay, pay IQ, but that's just me. You know what I'm saying? But shout out to you, man. Shout out to everybody in the space, man. I holler. All right, no, no doubt, Rick. Yo, Robert, man, what's going on? You got your hand up. Um, at this time, we're going to get ready to um shut the space down. Um, Unless any of the ladies have something they want to say. But if not, after Robert, we're going to shut it down. What's going on, Robert? Three quick points. I was going to respond to the Met fan who was talking earlier that you better not forget that we reclaimed two of the Mets' greatest pl- players that were falling on the cocaine highway and made them Ooh, champions again. Talk about it. That's one. Two is the Yankees at the time paid, spent money because the other team in the division was also paying money. And we bought players so the other team don't buy players. There's two things to that. We might not need to buy a player at the time, but but we'll buy it so you don't get it. Because if you got that player, then that puts us in a precarious situation. Hey, hey Robert, yo, what, what comes to mind is when um, Mike Mussina was on um, the Baltimore Orioles and everyone knew he was getting ready to leave Baltimore. It was a fact that he was going to leave. And who was in the running for it? Yankees and Red Sox. Exactly. Who did we not? Who did we not want to get Mike Mussina? The Red Sox. Same thing when we signed um, Jason Giambi. It's the same thing. Right. That was. That's my point exactly. Lastly, uh, 
you can't sign all the players. The, the Knicks, I mean, I'm revolving the Knicks, the, the Knicks are not a great team. They overachieved this year. Yes, and they were, they're good. But the starters are not good enough that we're paying the bench $175, $180 million. Then you got the Obi. Obi's going to have to get paid or traded or he's going to walk. Then you got Grimes. The Knicks starters are making already $90 million. Now you're going to have the bench making 60. That's that's four players. So you got 90 and 60. That's $150 million. Then you got another six players. Even if you pay them the minimum, that's $162 million. Now you're talking, you're at the peak, at right at the bottom of the luxury tax threshold, and you're mediocre. So you got to make moves. And the Knicks seem to trade away all their draft picks, so you can't replenish your 10 through 15 to get better. So you got to move on from the bench. I'm sorry. I like IQ. I even have his jersey. But the fact is, you got to move while it's hot. And if what if he starts off the season like he did last year and he struggles the first 20, 30 games, then where is his value going to be? Thank you. Thanks for your space. Thanks for letting me speak. Shout out to everybody. Have a good one. Thanks. So I thank everyone um, for coming out. You know, I see you smooth with our brother. You're probably busy working, but thanks for, for coming through. I see you, B. I see you, J. Miss Gloria, I see your smile here every single Sunday. Um, Ebony, Mad Nick, I, I need to hear from you next Sunday. I need to hear from you. My boy Vince from South Florida, Mark Smith, KTS, J from East New York. What up, what up, what up? Oh, see, yo, we got smooth. So what we going to do, what we going to do, we going to let smooth get his bars off. And then smooth is going to be our closer. What up, smooth? It's on you, bro. What up, Angel? Yo, what's up, my boy? My bad I came late. Um, when it comes to, like, hip-hop, um, I can say, like, before it came to this day and age, like, I was a real big, like, Nas fan um, and Ludacris. I don't know what it was, but I just um, I just liked the way that their style was for me. Um, I didn't really listen to a lot of other people, uh, to, to be quite honest. Um, <clears throat> but I was a real big, like, Ludacris fan. Like, even to this day, I know he don't rap anymore, but, um, definitely, um, you know, he has some bars, he has some lyrics. Um, I don't know, like, I felt like he was one of those rappers that, um, that could kind of rap to anything. And then uh, even when him and T.I. had their own little, like, uh, going back and forth at each other, it was kind of dope to see, um, you know, two different, like, rappers, like, kind of go at it, um, I mean, I like Ludacris part better, uh, but um, that for me, like those are like my top two uh, as far as like rappers or you know any hip hop you know artists that I listen to a lot. Um, of course, you know you got the OGs like Biggie, Tupac, um, but uh, for me, like you know, I don't really listen to a lot of music nowadays because it's just a bunch of like mumbo jumbo shit. <laughs> bunch of bullshit, yeah, man. Huh? It, it, it's just and it's crazy because like. The music is so bad now. Like, I, I'm I'm making it clear. I'm no rapper, but it makes me feel like I could literally try to learn how to be a rapper and still like make some money off it. 
You don't gotta be on beat, man. You don't gotta be on beat. Yo, no it's 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 crazy because like when you lit, like you you listen to some of the songs, right? They'll have like a good beat, maybe a good hook, but when you listen to what they're saying, it just yo. <clears throat> Like I don't understand how these people be million. Like they'll make millions of dollars off bullshit songs that make no sense. So, for me, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm really, I prefer like the old school rappers. Um, if it's someone that's kind of now who is solid, can rap to anything. Um, J Cole was one of those guys for me. You could never go wrong with that. I was never really a Jay Z fan, but you know, I'm not gonna deny like how great he is. I will always give him credit for everything he's done. But for me, he's not the greatest, greatest rapper of all time. I think that's hilarious to me. But that's just my opinion. You know, not, a, lot of, you know, oh, a lot of people won't agree with that. But yeah, Who's your top five? I would say uh, Biggie Tupac. Um, I would say Eminem. I would say um, Nas. Um I, I gotta that, throw. That fifth spot's throw, always interchangeable. I gotta, I gotta throw. Uh, well, I gotta throw Jay in there because of what he's done for the game, um, and this is just me giving him his respect, you know, and stuff because uh, he he's done a lot for like the rap game. But um, so I won't disrespect him and say he's not a top five rapper of all time. But um, if I had to change him, I would I would definitely put. Uh, I don't know, like. I, it, <laughs> That that five was tough. Like I really have a four, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, say that, that fifth one is always like for me. It always switches out number five. Yeah, um, but yeah, but that's that's my five though. LL is top five. I'm not uh like I'm not you know of course I don't know a lot like most people do on like you know hip hop and stuff like that. But just for me on what I listen to, um, you know I I, I don't know like I was I was a big like Ice Cube fan. Um, as well, um, you know, I, I, I like, I don't know. I just like the way his style was. I don't know what it is. It's, I know he, I know he might not be, <clears throat> you know, like more lyrical than other people. Like, cause you know, every rapper has their own talent, but, um, you know, when you listen to some of the things that Ice Cube used to rap about, and then like the fact that, um, you know, uh, he was writing for people too, you know, that, 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 you know, that, that shows like you're really, talented and um you know definitely solid i know melly don't agree with uh <laughs> melly don't agree with my list uh <laughs> but um yeah man that, that's that's basically my list for like hip-hop um but uh i want to talk about the next man you you got you know people on this app are just weird and stupid like i i just you know i'm, I'm leaving the knicks alone man i you know i'm about to go touch grass later <clears throat> you know, and no, it's not Longhorn Papa left. Um, I'm, I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, man. Uh, so the, yeah, that's that's my list, bro. I had to make sure I came through, and um, you know, yo, you need to do us, yo, man. It's been a minute, yo, since you've done a space. Well, uh, the reason why I haven't done a Philly Nick is uh, per my agent Melly, because of her rules. You know, um, I I, I did communicate with my agent and I told her that I'm not doing no more Philly Nick until the season starts because what I don't want is I don't want to um, be doing all these spaces talking about players and we don't get none of them like it, like it took so much energy 
just from doing all those spaces and then, um, you know, then to not get Donovan Mitchell, who we could have used in the playoffs. Um, and then you see the series now, you know, you got people on this app celebrating Miami of 3-0. And I'm just like, you know, y- y'all acting like if we was in that situation that we would be up 3-0. We would be getting cooked by Boston. Like, I, I don't understand, like, how you – like, I hate both teams, so – you know, if it was up to me, I don't want any of them to win. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I, I don't know what the hell to root for watching. Yeah, these two. and then it's like you got people on this app clowning Jalen Brown because of his numbers, but when it really matters, like the 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 guy really showed up, and then you got you seen that rebound you got. Yeah, last year? and 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 like and, and and I was just you know I had someone comment in my uh in my post, I'm like, yo, like, y'all were clowning Jalen Brown, but look at what he does when it matters. Like, y'all, y'all just so focused on numbers. Y'all don't realize that not only the talent that he is, but he could take over a game on both sides of the ball. And that's what he's been doing, and that's why Boston is one game away from the finals. But y'all want to focus on him averaging 19 and and, and shooting 17% from the, from the three. It's just like, if numbers is the reason why you wouldn't want him on a team, then I like I can't have a conversation with you. I think it's idiotic for people to say that because he because his numbers aren't what his regular season numbers are, that you wouldn't want him on the Knicks. It's fucking asinine. I, I'm not even gonna bother even having a conversation with you. That's just dumb to me. Um, and just like with Tibbs making the playoffs two out of three years, like okay, there's a lot of coaches that make the playoffs, like. You you didn't saw in this season alone two coaches who been to the finals, but yet we're stuck on this guy. So it's like no, like I'm not gonna, you know, harp on it. Like if that's what you want to win, then I can't I can't take you serious. If that's what you feel like is what we need to, you know, go to that next step because I feel like we could do better. Just my opinion. You ain't gotta agree with it. I don't care. But look, man, um, great show. Um, I'm probably going to do, like, a, a random switch just to kind of chat it up with everyone, talk about sports, you know, whatever. But I'll keep everybody hey, updated. You, you, are you going to do the, the left hook for the fight? Yeah, yeah. for the Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to tell you, too. Uh, so for the, uh, the, the Crawford and Errol Spence, uh, you know, fight coming up soon, um, I'm going to do a few spaces to kind of uh, get everybody – you know, uh, involved into it. Um, I just kind of need a co-host uh, because it's kind of hard doing everything by myself um, unless, like, people are available because I know everybody has their own lives and, you know, it's people, everybody be touching grass. You know, I don't want to interrupt. So, um, you know, uh, so whenever everyone is free or has time to co-host with me, just keep me, you know, let me know. Um, but I'm going to do a left hook space coming up soon, uh, probably this uh, this week coming up just to kind of talk about the fight, what do we expect and stuff like that. And I want to know all, you know, everyone's top five fighters of all time. So, um, you know, I definitely want to, um, like, see every, pick everybody's brain and see what everybody thinks because, you know, everybody's different. Um, and um, and obviously, um, the day of the fight, uh, I'll do a pregame show um, and I'll do a, you know, I'll do a, um, a show after the fight as well. Um, you know, and I want to start getting more people involved into, you know, some of these fights. I just hope that, um, 
the judges don't get in the way of the that that Lomachenko fight was fucking asinine. Bro. I was gonna I was gonna ask you what were your thoughts on on that that whole situation? Yeah, bro. Like um like I didn't see the fight um that night. I saw it the next day. Um, and let me let me tell you something, man. Like even even though people felt like at worst it was a draw. But I felt like Lomachenko dominated so much that there was no fucking way you could you could say it was a draw. Um, and I, I just felt like like Lomachenko knew what he was doing. Like there's actually video evidence of of Ray, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Randy or whatever his name was. Um, he was literally saying during the fight that yo he knows where I'm going. He sees what I'm doing. He sees my my uh, my 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 punches coming. Like he knows everything I'm doing. Your own fighter even realized that he was losing the fight. He had nothing, you know, in terms of what he brought to the table to win the fight. And he still won this fight. And then the one judge had him. The one judge had him winning by like four rounds. I'm just like, yo, that is asinine, bro. And I agree with B um, when when we was talking about it, I think in the space, he was just like, yo, like these judges, like they ruined boxing, man. And, And then like. What I don't want to happen is you see a great fight or let's say, you know, like Crawford is, is dominating the fight and then he loses because one of the judges. Then it's like you're going to have so many people that's disgusted with boxing that you're not going to want to pay for the fights. Well, I don't pay for them anyway, but you're not going to want to watch the fights anymore because, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like. What's the point of walking if you're rigging fights now? And then that, but that's happened for years though. But nobody holds them accountable. Um, so that let you know, Loma Chico won that fight. It's not even close to me. Um, I know in the first few rounds, um, you know, he was losing a little bit, but yo, like he had him stumbled in like the 10th or 11th round. He didn't even know where he was at. But y'all got this dude losing four rounds to this guy. Like, come on, man. Like, if you any boxer fan who knows boxing knows that was a robbery, just my take though. You know, you know some people will disagree, but um, yeah, man. So I'll keep everybody updated. I just you know when it comes to next, bro, you know how it is. Like everybody swears they're always right. Nobody you know thinks they're wrong. And look, man, you know it, it is what it is. Like I, I like it, it's one or two things. They either don't make any moves and. You know, they they make, you know, minor adjustments or they just surprise everyone and get rid of mostly everybody on the team, which is what I think is going to happen. But, you know, we'll see. It's the NBA, you know. Um, I think everybody's kind of waiting for the finals to kind of see what teams are looking at. So, you know, I'm going to just be patient. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I appreciate the time, brother. You know, I had to make sure I came through for you. And, yo, if you didn't know, yo, Angel was one of the first cats out here doing spaces. Like, the, the Philly Nick is not something that's new. That's something that goes back since spaces started. Since spaces started. And, you know, for guys like him, I think Big Mo was doing it for a while. Um, let's talk, they did, to do a post-game space after every single game, like, that level of commitment, like, that's tough. That's tough. You really have to care about what you're doing to be doing this after every single game. And then you have to hear opinions that you disagree with. So, like, 
to me, that, that's tough. And if, if you didn't know, like he mentioned, you know, a smooth left hook. And that's why I want to get his take on the fights coming up. You know, he knows a lot more about boxing, you know, combat sports than I do. You know, I'm more so like a casual. You know, I watch the fights, but, you know, this guy, he knows the backstories, where they trained at. And then, you know, he's from Philly. So, you know, Philly, they're they known for, for boxing. That's like their, their calling card, at least in my opinion. That's their calling card is boxing. Yeah, um, I, there's one thing that I have been doing. Um, so I've been, um, I've been, uh, you know, I forgot to tell B this, but um, the reason why I want to start doing some more boxing spaces is because um, I've been actually running into um, people that box at some of the gyms in the city of Philly. And, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, and I'm trying to, like, you know, obviously um, be cool with them, gain knowledge, and, um, you know, um, and also, like, because I've been um, thinking about getting back into the gym and boxing myself, right? So, because uh, I used to box when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I've been talking to a few people here and there, and I'm going to try to have them come on the spaces and talk about how they feel about some of the fights coming up. Um, and, um, you know, some of the fights that, um, that, that has already happened that they thought, you know, was, um, you know, either like, like Lomachenko fight or, you know, some of the other ones, um, like the Ryan Garcia fight and stuff like that. So I've been talking to a few people, but obviously, you know, everybody's busy and stuff. So, um, I got some things that that's in the works, but obviously it takes time. Um, but yeah, man, um, I'm, you know, a lot of shit is about to change even for me, um, you know, that I'm trying to accomplish. So, you know, I look forward to the future, man. It's definitely bright. You know me, man. I'm, I, I had to cut down on the soda. You know what I mean? Like my agent, you know, I, she, she made sure I got drink water, <laughs> you know, and, and start, you know, eating right. You know, I can't be eating rice and beans no more like that. You know, No I more rice and beans stories? Uh, I mean, I, I'll have a cheat day once in a while, but, you know, I, I don't, I used to do it like every day. But now it's like, nah, like I can't do that. So, um, you know, I lost uh, I lost seven pounds. I used to weigh 238. I weigh 231 now. So um, slowly but surely, it's a, it's a work in progress. Man, I still got a little stomach, but, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. So I'm trying to make sure about my birthday, like my body's like real fit. And, um and, uh, you know, and I've been reaching out to uh, a few people in the Herbalife uh, world where um, you're going to start seeing me doing workouts. You're going to see the results of my body. You're going to see the results of me, you know, being like real big and then actually losing the weight. And hopefully it can motivate people. If you're not happy with how you look, that you could do the same thing, you know. And um, for me, mentally, I, I wasn't happy with my body and it showed me how I eat. You know, I was when I was stressed or something was bothering me, I would always eat and I didn't care. And I was just like, all right, whatever. I did one day I just look, I'm like, damn, like I got big, yo. Like, what the fuck? You know, and I gotta I gotta change how I eat. And it's hard, it's, it's a process. Even now, you know, I wanna go eat something, you know, right now, but it's like, you know, I gotta be disciplined and, and eat healthy because uh, it, it goes a long way, man. So I've been eating more fruits, vegetables. Um you know, it's a pain in the ass, though. I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, it, it's better, though. So um, you're going to start seeing, like, some videos of me, like, running the track, uh, running uh, the football, because football is my main sport, um, and I'm getting ready to do semi-pro. Um, so I got a lot of things lined up for y'all, um, and I'm going to give a lot of people, like, an insight 
on like what I'm doing and stuff. And we got to get together, man. We got to, you know, get some kind of little, you know, basketball tournament or something. Yeah, I've been I've been waiting to break somebody's ankles, man. I'm always ready. I'm, you know, for you because you you was talking that talk too, and you was nice. <laughs> I remember you and Harry was talking that talk. I've been playing recent. I've been playing a little bit more recently, but now, um, but now I'm, I'm gonna start posting some videos of me shooting the ball and 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 you know playing some games, you know, so y'all can see like. Yeah, you know, y'all might not agree with my takes, but I'll tell you what, play me on one-on-one and I'll bust your ass. You know, the only person I might not be is Melly. That's the only person because, you know, she, uh, you know, she, she nice, you know, she, she a cheater though. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, Melly. I know you be cheat. You my sister. I get it. But, you know, I mean, you know, Melly got some game though, man. So it's cool to see some females that play ball too. So, um, but yeah, man, like definitely we gotta, you know, try to link up and, um, you know, get something together. I know Trip was talking about uh, getting something together, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, yeah man, man, like I, I'm in a city. I'm like like three days a week, like in Midtown. So I'm here like three days a week. I usually um, I play. I don't know if you're familiar, but I play over at Chelsea Piers. I'm not sure if you know where Chelsea is, but it's like a big gym out there. It's probably like I don't know, like ten, fifteen minutes from the Garden. I usually go to that gym and play. Okay, I, I think I don't I don't I don't know where that's at, but you know we'll we'll, we'll work we'll work something out. Um, but yeah, man, appreciate you letting me come up, bro, and kick it with you for a few. Yeah, bro, no doubt, man. Anytime, man. But um, as I usually like to do, man, just to end the show. You know, it's a nice summer day. You know, everybody having a good time. We had a good conversation. Let me just play something real quick. I got like three bangers I want to play. Not gonna put them in their entirety, maybe the first minute or so. But thank y'all for coming out. You yeah, remember next week? Yeah, we're gonna talk about the WNBA as well. We gonna get into that bag.
Since we got my boy, my boy Wu in here, you know, whenever I'm going through music, you know, I always think, yo, what would Wu think of this? What would Wu think of that? But I already know what Wu think of this. The last one, y'all. Since we got the ladies in here, I, I do want to play something real quick, you know, for the ladies. Get that bounce right here. Time to move on. Time to be strong. Don't stop now, straight to the top, man. That's what I need. For the ladies. Hey, yo, I appreciate y'all for rocking out with me. I'm about to end this space now. Y'all have a good day. Remember, tomorrow, the weekend, it is Memorial Day. Appreciate you for rocking out with your boy, I-95B. The B is for bully, rough, rugged, and raw. Off the top, never have a script. Have a good weekend, y'all. Goodbye.